Welcome to Bickering Peaks, the podcast where every episode is a mega jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's better than mine. Mine was the Twin Peaks podcast that doubles as group marital counseling. Oh, God. <laughs> group marital counseling. If anybody's in marital counseling with us, yeah. they're in trouble. That's that's not a good It's a pretty not bad a good racket, And yeah. you wouldn't want us to be leading it either. No. Yeah, so what are you are. suggesting? Well, anybody, any couples listening to this, they're in trouble. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, basically. But we, yeah, we are we are here, and fittingly, talking about part three and part four. Part yes. three, call for help. Call for help. Call for help. <laughs> and uh, and part. Are you four, saying that our marriage needs a call for no, help? No, not that at what all. You're doing? Okay, that's I'm, what I took. I'm calling for help for all the poor saps listening to us right oh, now. Oh yeah, sorry. Part four <laughs> brings back some memories. Yes. Of happier days. Happier days. In our marriage. marriage? We're not going to talk about our marriage no, anymore. This is not. Our useful. marriage is like Judy. We are not, not going to talk t- about our marriage. I'm sure it'll come up. Probably will. Um, so, all right. So uh, we yes. are not recording this on the Sunday after the, or the Monday the after Monday. the Sunday before. Yep. <laughs> uh, we are recording this a couple days before yeah. uh, the Sunday. Taking day. advantage of the fact that we had three and four early. Um, and also uh, Monday is my birthday. And that's when we would normally be recording these. And Monday we are not going not- to because... You want to do something on your birthday, I guess. Or yeah. Something. Probably well, just watch Twin Peaks. But probably just going to watch still, Twin Just Peaks. in case you want to do something else, we'll, we'll block hey, it off. So It's Aiden's birthday on June 4th. Yes. And he's getting a brand new episode of Twin Peaks yeah, on so his I, birthday. Yeah, so I win this year. He wins the birthday games Sorry. this year. Yeah. And I still have to be older than him. It sounds like the Hunger Games. It kind of does. A <laughs> the little birthday bit. games, yeah. I like it. Okay. I think after this, we are going to need marriage counseling, though. Probably. Yeah. So yeah. The bickering begins. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully. Yes. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, so part three and four, let's get our initial impressions down. Do you, you have yeah. some written. I have mine mostly in my in head. head. What, what, what are your initial? Well, I just thought um, part three and four, I really loved them. Mm-hmm. I really felt like this, uh, like, kicked it up a notch, yes. really. In, yes. in, And I felt like it had more of a driving forward momentum yes. as opposed to the other ones which well, kind of went all over the place yeah there and, were there were a lot of plots in yeah one and two. which is necessary yeah. well it sets think. up well probably <laughs> <laughs> it sets up a lot of those plot threads that were um that are probably going to tie up in some way yeah um but three and four feel like i, I mean they focus mostly on coop so that's really mm-hmm. where my interest i want to find oh, yeah. out what's going on with cooper so yeah. Um, so that automatically made it more interesting, but also just with this dreamy imagery that we had to start off three, I remember watching it and I turned to you and I said, I fucking love this. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I think the woman without the eyes showed up and I freaked out. Yeah, I was like, no, bit, I'm done. <laughs> but, that's when I said I fucking loved it. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it felt, it felt a lot dreamier. It felt, um, like almost to the point where you could apply a, like a dream interpretation to it in a sense. And I've seen people do it and I'm not impressed with how that happens. But at the time I watched it, I thought, hmm, all right, Jungian dream analysis or something. Like yeah. you could probably do something with that, but I'm less convinced of that now. Okay. It, feel, it feels like it's less rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, just that beginning part anyway. Well, and the way Cooper 
nobody helps Cooper. Like that too. dude has some brain damage. Yes, I brought that up in yeah. my notes because that really does bother me a lot. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the colors. This was. I mean, the first two parts felt drab and gray. Like there was New York City and it's kind of gray and brown. And yeah. then you had, you know, Buckhorn, South Dakota, and it's deserty and dark night scenes. And then all of a sudden here we had the casino and we had the purple world and we had, you know, Cooper Dougie's bright green suit. Yeah, like we had jackets, we had yeah. a lot of bright colors that came up. Um and it and also with the Twin Peaks scenes felt lush and green. And I noticed that, um, you know, outside the conference room where they are, the the big trees that they have, it looks like they're in the middle of a jungle or something. It was yeah. really um, just striking to yeah. me. And it really feels like they're making use of, of the film, well, not the film stock. Yeah. <laughs> What's but, the yeah. digital equivalent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the full range of colors that yeah. are available in digital uh, yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. Um, it really felt like this we're not watching the old show which had its you know earth tones and very warm colors this made use of every color available um i still think that the sound design was just phenomenal especially in the casino scenes which i don't know if that's a controversial opinion or not i really loved the casino mm-hmm. and i loved seeing david lynch play in the casino scenes like yeah. i thought that was just such a a weird it's it's such a lynchian environment to begin with if you've ever been to las vegas the kinds of people that hang around at the slot machines and they all feel like they could be extras in a david lynch film so it felt like a natural place for him to um yeah i'm amazed he hasn't done it before as you said as soon as it started you're like yes david lynch casino scene this is awesome right yeah that that's right that's (laughs) well and when we went to vegas we were like yeah this Mm -hmm. is kind of lynchian yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah it's true and I love that there was a, a little bit of a return to the humor, mm-hmm. um, which was missing largely in the first two episodes or first yeah, two parts. There were a few moments, but nothing, it was not as... nothing as as sustained or as purposeful. Yes, I mean it still was purposeful, but this felt like it was. I, I don't know, maybe because it was it was centered on Coop more than anything. I felt like that was well. And Cooper's situation is kind of funny. It is a little bit so. Funny, there's a lot of sad gold too, to be. So get there to be dug from mm-hmm. yes did you have any impressions that you wanted to bring? uh i think that sums it up I, I agree with you on the the sound especially um i actually i love the dr jacoby scenes i i think that was my one right. uh, audio note well my other audio note is that there's no music and right I, well there is there is one song there's two songs there's yeah. two music okay. cues but well, okay there's the end of the episode music cues and then there's there but we aren't getting uh, Twin Peaks music the way it was yes. in the series. And we're not getting, even in Fire Walk With Me, music was a much larger part Yeah. so far, based on what we've seen so far. But the audio direction overall is much more engaged and involved yeah. in, a, in, a way of, in a way of setting a tone and a mood that doesn't require music. I, you know, well, a it's lot almost of time, like that is the music, maybe. Well, no, it's not, it's not music, music yeah. but it's like that's what it's taken the place of the music. Well, I feel like music is music was a key part to Twin Peaks because music was a key part to television uh-huh. in the early '90s, late '80s, right? Like everybody had a catchy theme song, and you know, characters had themes and stuff like that. TV has kind of moved on from that. There's still, you know, you have your Game of Thrones theme music, and it's and it's distinguishable and yeah. and iconic. 
Um, but the rest of it, it has moved on from it's it's almost all diegetic. And I feel like even like the 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 take five when it comes on, yeah, that's just what they're listening to in the kitchen. We don't get that explained or anything, but I feel like that's that's the implication is that there's no longer uh, quite as much leeway between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like uh, Lynch is just kind of following the path of of uh, of other TV and what it's doing there. I okay. mean, he's using it for his own purposes, and he's using sound very differently. Um, especially all the screeching and weird noises that that typify the Red Room and the, the Purple World and mm-hmm. and uh, the various characters that we meet. But, yeah, the, the, the role of music seems to be greatly diminished. And just, well, not, not just diminished, but repurposed. Pur- music is now, uh, as opposed to something that builds the world, um, music is something that exists inside the world, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes. And that's just kind of a, uh, a slightly different take on it than, than what we had before. Do, do you agree? Disagree? Yes. Yes. I, I've just kind of come up with that as I was talking, so it doesn't make much sense, I'm sure. Yeah, but... no, I, I I get that. And I think that that's, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's it's kind of a return to, like, I, when I watch these episodes, I rem- or watch these parts, it reminds me a lot of Eraserhead and yes. stuff, where it's like, that provides the soundtrack. It's, yeah. it's literally a soundtrack. Yes. Um, as opposed to a music soundtrack, yeah. which, but I still feel like the music is playing a role because we are ending every episode with a mm-hmm. song so far, Absolutely. with the exception of the first episode, which ends with the gramophone player, mm-hmm. um, which still is sound. And he does say the first thing that said well, the gramophone is listen to the players mo- exactly. And we talked about that briefly yeah. in the last episode, but uh, gramophone player was there to play music. Sure. And it's not. And it's not. And I think that's... Exactly. <laughs> he literally exactly. says, listen to this. Oh, it's not playing music anymore. It's, it's playing it's sounds. It's playing sounds. Yeah. No, it's definitely a message to us. And and I mean, a lot of people have been kind of upset that we haven't heard a lot of Angelo's music in yeah. here yet, which um, we've... I mean, we have the theme song, and then in this episode, we have Laura Palmer's theme that plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking maybe we'll, we'll get more of that if the show pivots towards Twin Peaks more closely which I have a feeling it's going to eventually. Yeah. Um, so we might get more of the music returning there. Mm-hmm. There are brief interludes of a theme. You know, we get a character theme for five seconds when we get the first shot of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. There was, right, There's yes. a brief thing in the but, and that's And that's like, um, it sounds like the jazzy score from yeah. the original. So yeah. it's like a snippet from... Yeah. But it's not... It's like, an, it's like the establishing shot. It's the establishing music for, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. that... But it's not a sustained. Yeah, it's not uh, an integral part. We're not to getting. The... Yeah, we're not getting Audrey slow dancing in the double R no. for an extended period of time. No. With her theme song playing in the background. Yeah. Yet. Yet. So who Maybe. knows what's coming? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so part three. Part three. Call for help. <laughs> uh, how does it start? It starts with Cooper falling. Yeah. Falling through space. Falling, yeah, I call it the void, but yeah, it's not a Well, space. it feels like space because you, yeah, it you looks like it. stars. It looks like and then he approaches what? Well, he falls into what I'm calling Lavender World. I have no idea what else to call it. I like the Purple World. Purple World, but Lavender sure. is probably better. Lavender World. It, it's, I don't know, it's just a distinct shade of purple. Yes, yes. But it, it starts off with a, you get a shot of this purple cloud of yes, gas. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's um, not a gas. It's almost like the like ink and water or something like that. It's yeah, really yeah, beautiful. yeah, it is. It's really. And it's purple. Like, it's so purple. It's yeah. like a color that, we mentioned this in, in the original series when we were doing our recaps, that 
um, there was one one morning shot where you saw purple in the sunrise, mm-hmm. and it was just a, such a striking moment yeah. because purple was not a color that we'd seen. Yeah, and here we have a whole segment of the show, five minutes or so, where it's all purple. Yeah. There's just a purple haze over everything. Everything. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very Dune-like. He falls onto this, like, I don't know, I called it a fortress in my notes. Because yeah. it's kind of like, it's like this. It does this, look like, yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the, the, the skyscraper in New York. This, like, brick, very austere mm-hmm. building with no windows. And that's what we get here is this austere stone structure that looks like it's coming straight out of the water. Mm-hmm. And he's fallen onto a ledge or something, a, a balcony. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, a pair of double windows that he can go into the room beyond it. Mm-hmm. It's strange what happens in this room. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely... The whole scene is really... This yeah. whole, it, like, it's really hard to... Because almost nothing really happens. But, well, yeah, I think but, wait, this was when we discussed... We, as we were watching the first time, we're like, the script for this scene must have been like two pages long. Because yeah. there's no dialogue. It's just all silence and movements yes but let, let's talk about let's talk about the way it's shot first okay. and and what kind of happens yeah as far as we can tell it's like a skipping uh scene that's how i call it okay things things happen and then it back it goes backwards and it's skipping forward in time and then it's it's rotating backwards mm-hmm. and even the camera it'll it'll literally skip forward to a frame that's coming down the down the line then, and back then it'll up, back up and, and then, then it'll go back and forth between yeah. these two it's like not just is the physical motion of the actors uh, going back and forth, but even the, the the view of the observer is 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 set in time, and then you're being tracked backwards and forwards along this track of where the camera's going to be and what it's looking at. Okay, I kind of I kind of understand what you're getting at. I kind of <laughs> okay. a little bit understand what you're getting at. Yeah. That it's just, basically what we're getting at is that this is um, it's non it's not progressing linearly. But ultimately, it, it is does. It's over just, the long run. Yeah. It's just that these individual moments seem to be cut up into, like, fast forward and reverse and fast forward and reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like time travel, though, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. Because they're, they're in these micro moments. They're going back and forth. And mm-hmm. basically, what, what the context of the situation as it plays out is Cooper walks into this room and he sees a woman. So she's sitting on this couch or this you know, lounging in front of the fireplace and she has no eyes. Yes. And Cooper walks over to her and she kind of grabs him by the hands and she's, she's like urgently wanting to express something to him. She touches his face and she signals to him to be quiet when somebody starts pounding on the door. Well, and he asks, where is this? Where are we? Right. It's Uh, the only line of dialogue. Yeah. And and it's not cut back and forth. No, it's not. Yes. Perhaps worth noting, but we're not going to do it I mean, it but Cooper's dialogue is never affected, even in the Red Room. He speaks That's true. normally. Yeah. So I think it's just a sign that he's other. He's not supposed to be there. Yeah. Right? And and when she does try to speak, yes. it's this weird kind of guttural clicking. Yeah, it's whispers. It's whisper. clicking. Yeah. It's, it's not. I don't even know no, how to describe it. There's no intelligible sound at all. And that's when the banging starts, is immediately after that. Right, and she tells him to be quiet. Yeah, she, right? well, yeah, she holds her finger up to her mouth. Yeah. But then and he sees the thing on the wall. Yes. So when I first saw this, I thought it was just like a 
a plaque or something. Yeah, like same. That. Yeah, when it I didn't really looked. make much sense. Well, and there's and there's a light that goes on underneath it mm-hmm. that first kind of attracts his attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, he he eventually leaves her side to go look at this thing. Yeah. And how how would you describe it, Lindsay? I don't even. Well, know. I wrote down it was like an electrical panel because yeah. it looks like it's it looks like a circuit board or like there's wires or something connecting it. And then the centerpiece of the thing, there's um, a number fifteen above it. Mm-hmm. And below that, it's an electrical socket. It's like a plug-in. Yeah. And he tries to go closer to it, and he's stopped. He's well, unable to yeah, get it's there. Pushed, it's like, it pushes him back a little bit. Yeah, there's like a, a wispy cloud or something that stops him, and, and a buzz. Yeah, and he recoils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's then, when the woman comes yeah. around. And does she have a name? Sorry, did, does this character have a name in the thing? I didn't she see She may have. I didn't look in the in okay. the credits. But. Well, in any case, yeah, she, she kind of approaches him, and then she, she kind of like, kind of not not pushes him away but well, she, she warns between him, him yeah, and, she, and the and thing it. and she makes this throat cutting motion yeah and the sound to match is like it's like it's, a slashing noise yeah yeah, and, yeah that was a terrible no he got <laughs> version, it it's close um and then from there she kind of like so it's pretty clear like she does not want him to go close to this mm-hmm. now we don't know who she is what her motivations are mm-hmm. um whether she's actually trying to help him or what um but from here she she kind of leads him down a darkened hallway yes um just kind of crawling along the walls and and just motioning for him to follow he does yeah um they go out another door and then and at this point the time skipping stops so it seems like the purple light in that room the fireplace room yes is what causes the skipping or maybe just localized to that part of okay whatever they are yeah um and yeah so they go up the uh, this ladder. Yep. And when they emerge, where are they, Lindsay? <laughs> it's like they're on a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I they're don't on know. the top of a spaceship. At the top of a spaceship that's from a racer head. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and it's a cube that's like big enough inside, would have been big oh, enough yes. for the two of them to it's stand. It's the TARDIS. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's much, much bigger, bigger on the inside. inside. <laughs> but then there's this bell shaped thing on top that mm-hmm. looks like um, something you'd see in a an industrial setting. It's yeah. just this metal. Um, bell-shaped thing and the woman kind of goes around it and Cooper seems to kind of not want her to go well she's she's kind of saying something to him again again. yeah and he doesn't understand and I thought it was interesting that you get a like a point of view shot from her point of view looking at Cooper right and you're like but she can't see yes so (laughs) and then she kind of flips a switch well and yes but before that well she does she flips the switch and that causes things to happen but before that, the pounding is still continuing uh, from downstairs. Yes. yes, it's becoming almost rhythmic. It's it's hitting like a certain uh-huh. rhythm at that point. That it's not just uh, you know this kind of odd random pounding that was that it was when he was in the fireplace room. Right. So yes, she throws the switch after that, um, and it seems to like electrify her. That's how yeah. I interpret yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's like she's electrocuted or something. Yeah, and and eventually she's fired off into space. Yeah. So spaceships and UFOs were a big thing in yes, uh, the secret right. history of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And so this has caused many people to think like, oh, this is one of the the UFOs that hasn't come to Earth yet. But I feel like this isn't actually in space. Right. No, it doesn't. This whole thing doesn't make any physical sense. Yeah. Um, and I feel like space is almost just like a metaphor for the unknown. But so it's really just a place he literally cannot know. Yeah. Uh, well, he is in the non-existence. Like it's... I don't, I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling it that. I okay, don't know. Sure. Or he's non-existent or something. I, it, there's no word for it. It's not the Red Room. It's not... Well, yeah, I know. feel like there's multiple... Honestly, what I feel like the five, the 15 and later the 3 yeah. signify are the universes 
that exist out there. Maybe. She's fired off into space, and and as he's looking over the edge, um, he sees, again, very Eraserhead-like, Major Briggs's head kind of float by. Yeah. And as he passes by, he says the words, Blue Rose. Yeah. So, um... How did you interpret that? How did I interpret that? You didn't. I didn't. Okay. I just thought, okay, this I'm just going <laughs> to let this happen. I didn't know what to think. Okay, I just assumed that, that he, like, a blue rose for me is, like, it's just something that's unexplained sure. and unexplainable. So, so this whole go. thing, just don't worry about it. Yeah, that yeah. Lynch literally coming out and saying, blue rose, guys, don't worry about this. So that's just, exactly yeah. what I did. Yeah, okay. Didn't worry about it. You did. You did good, Lynch. <laughs> Subliminally, <laughs> I just did what he told me to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Cooper goes back down. Now the room is dark. It's not purple or at least it's, it's normal. You get firelight colors or whatever. And time is moving normally. He sees that the electrical panel now says three on it, not 15. And there's a new woman sitting in front of the fire. And it's the actress who played Ronette Ronette Pulaski. Pulaski, Yeah. First, she holds up her watch yes, and, and looks at it. Yes, and the time switches from 2.52 to 2.53. And remember that Cooper was told by the evolution of the arm, yes. the tree thing? Yeah. 2.53, two, three. the time, time and time again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously now, this is the time. This is the time. That is presenting Something's itself. Something's happening, yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> For him to leave. Um, so the machine... And, and then a light goes on next to yes, the panel yes, when that happens, yes. too. And it starts humming or singing, whistling almost. It's an interesting sound again. We cut to the car on the highway at this moment. Yes, we do. And we get uh, Mr. C, or Doppelcoop, DC, in the car... And the clock on his car reads 2.52 as well. And, or well, it goes, somewhere it goes in between 2.53. Things are, shit's going down. Yes. We do go back to the ship. Yes. I'm going to call it the, the ship. The ship. Whatever. I call it the, the Lavender World Fortress. Yep, sure. Which sounds like a Super Mario World level. Yeah. Purple World. I like Purple World. I think <laughs> that's right. great. Go for it. Yep. Uh, Cooper again tries to go towards the electrical panel and can't. But clearly this is the time when this is supposed to happen. And, and we getting that another shot back of the car where the same thing is happening like yeah. there's just more chaos and he's yeah, he really can't keep it together yeah. he's swerving now and stuff uh and then the pounding starts again. yes exactly and the the girl says you'd better hurry my mother's coming so what is, what that? is that all about yeah. um and immediately after he says that he starts getting sucked into this electrical well, plug-in thing so you think he got sucked in i thought he pushed himself through oh well maybe but but he's definitely being pulled and yes once, once he gets it. in yeah his head yeah, literally so he hits the event horizon and yeah, he just starts just, spaghettifying yeah, into right the through, yeah um but interestingly enough his shoes get left behind yeah back in the car mr c doppelkoop starts to lose control there's a there's a loud electrical buzz and uh and he crashes the car. He goes up onto the side of the road and flips over. First of all, he, he starts to retch like he's going to throw up. And then when he looks up out of the window, he sees red curtains appear. At the same moment, presumably, we get a man named Dougie, yep. who is played by Kyle McLaughlin. Yep. Very 1970s. Yeah, haircut. Hair, clothes. Everything. Everything. And he's with a woman yep. named Jade. Who is clearly a prostitute or some escort type companion. Yep. I will say it was a little bit, uh, I'm not going to say it's disappointing, but it was notable to me that she was completely nude. Really? Yeah, I feel like it's Well, yeah, just, why wasn't he nude? Yeah. Like, yeah, that doesn't make more sense. So it felt exploitative. And I know there are people who are going to talk about this in way more, I have way more 
um, intelligent things to say. I just had a gut reaction that this felt not right. Yeah. And well, she's the first. She's character of color except for i mean the woman without eyes was potentially yeah by an i think asian i think woman. she was played by an asian but. an asian actress but um the other thing that i wanted to say is that when i initially saw this i thought well a his name is dougie so is this 1970s yeah. doug milford totally i yeah you were like oh my god it's doug milford and i was like oh my god we're back in time this is happening time travel right? is real which, which i really thought was happening because i mean why else would he have that 1970s haircut and those suits oh, oh my suits, god like yeah. the mohair yeah Nobody wears mohair. Who wears mohair? Hipsters probably wear mohair. Well, and even like the interior, like they're on like a mattress and all the the paint colors are a little dated. And, well, I don't know. It's it, just... Eventually you find out it's not. No, Like no, if no, no. there's a security system, she's driving a new Jeep or a yeah. modern yeah, Jeep. Yeah, and I, I missed that in the establishing shot. Yeah. They show their vehicles, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But it did feel like it was disorienting. Yeah, a little bit. Right? Well, yeah, no, just because you get dropped into the scene. Mm-hmm. You have no idea who these characters are. Why does one yeah, of them look and, like Cooper? And exactly. We've just come from a scene of two back and forths between Cooper, our Cooper, and Bad Cooper, who are apparently going to be switching places. And then we see a third Cooper doppelganger. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's really Someone on Twitter wrote today that the mayor from Portlandia is just the fourth Cooper <laughs> doppelganger. And I'm totally buying it. I would totally otherwise. go with that. Yes, absolutely. But anyway. Yeah, so Dougie, which is what we'll call him, because yep. we learned his name... Pretty much right then. Yeah. Uh, his left arm is, of course, numb. Yes. Which is uh, a sign that you are wearing the owl cave ring. Yes, and he stands up and he is absolutely he wearing is the owl wearing cave ring. Yeah. Um, so he kind of, like, throws on this terrible suit jacket by, you know, whipping it around as his uh, useless arm. Yeah. Um, Jade has gone off to, to clean up yeah, after. Yeah, the, the prostitute Jade has gone yeah. off. Do we name her? I don't remember. But yeah, anyways. Jade. Yeah. yeah. So she's gone off to wash up in... And it, this it's is an abandoned house. We should it's, say I don't that. know if it's abandoned or if it's on the market. It's like real yeah. estate or something. Yeah. Like, so I got. I guess that one of them was a real estate agent. No, and that's how they had access to the house. Yeah, well, she seems to have the key. Yeah, so I thought maybe she was... But then she's also uh, well, she could an do escort. Both. She could do both. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tough times in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, it is. That's the thing. Like, they're not, she's not making much money from real estate, that's for sure. Um... So yeah, he gets sick. He gets like an upset stomach again, reminding mm-hmm. us of Doppelcoop. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of collapses, like it hits him really yeah. hard. He he winds up throwing up, and then there's like a loud noise of some sort. I I put it as like a thunder strike almost, and he disappears. Well, and the red curtains appear. Yes, in, in front the of him. That's right. Yeah. We cut to we well we cut to the car initially. Yeah. He sees Dougie sitting on the lounge chair in the red room. Uh, with the backdrop of the red curtains. And at that point, he violently projectile vomits what looks like a mixture of the creamed corn or gramambosia and the scorched engine oil that we saw in Glastonbury Grove. And just wretches everywhere. It's It's horrific. It's so gross. It's It's like if Dougie throwing up was was gross too, but this was... Yeah, but that was human. Yeah, <laughs> like this, this and the way he's holding like his mouth, like he's trying to, yeah. like he's been trying to prevent all of this, from all of this out. from happening, and then it comes up anyways, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's this really like visceral, thought, and there's just so much of it. Yeah, it's like there's no way this was all in his stomach. Like his stomach. Well, is no, but he's not human, human and, exactly, and it represents something else. It's, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but then he passes out. Yeah, and we go to the red room, and poor Dougie is very confused. And, uh, uh, and Mike is there. Yeah, well, Phil Gerard, yeah. And he uh, explains that someone manufactured you. Yes. Uh, for a purpose that I now think is, it's been fulfilled, basically, mm-hmm. is what he says. Yeah. 
and Dougie's just like, it has? I mean, he's just... He just doesn't a, understand He's such a clueless, on. yeah, guy. It feels bad. Um, and at this point, though, his left hand starts shrinking. Yes. Um, in order to presumably get access to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ring drops off, and um, and Dougie disappears. Yeah, he starts to... Sh- I think his head well, he, yeah, he starts, starts to shrink too. a little bit, maybe. But then it's instantly, he's gone, yeah. and there's like a black flame. It, it was That's, like a flame, like a right? butane lighter, but yeah. black. And yes. it even had that sound, that yeah. sound, like yeah, a butane... Yeah. Like a gas is yeah. being fed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and out of the... the because this erupts from his suit jacket collar. Yes. And yeah. out of that collar floats this gold this gold ball. And we get that, that sound when a spirit is present. Yes. That same yes. sound yes. that yes. we hear in the original series. Yeah. And um, so the it, gold... Okay, so you thought it was a like gold ball? Yeah, I, I thought it was like... I thought it was the brain like from the arm. I thought it was okay. like a yellowed... No, because first it's a gold ball and then it turns into... The gray, it looks like a gray rock. Well, no, we don't see it turn into no, anything. No, we just turn back and then look away yeah. and come back to it. And then it's turned into this this gray thing. Well, it looks like a rock and then it turns like it, a very quick cut into, um, it looks like the brain or it looks like it has a mouth yes, or something. See, I thought it looked like the alien head from, I'm assuming it's an alien, the gray monster from New York. Yeah, a little bit. I thought bit. it was like that. It was, it was a, and it, yeah, like vomits something, like the mouth opens up yeah, and, and something seems comes to eject. Out. And Philip Gerard, who's watching this whole thing happen, kind of hides his eyes yeah. during this point. Yeah. So it's obviously not a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever it is. Maybe it's related to what we saw on the card that, that uh, Mr. C showed to Daria. Yeah. The playing card. Yeah. I mean, who knows? This thing is, is completely unlike yeah. most anything we've seen before, except for the brain that's on top of the tree, which looks like a pink version yeah. of this gray thing. Yeah. Like, they, they did look similar yes but we still know how they're connected no idea um so the gray thing and the gold ball are are next to one another do they for like a second and then uh does the the gray thing disappears they they both disappear and then on the on the chair is the gold pellet yeah Um, the gold ball and the ring yes and the ring right and then he puts the ring yes back on the pedestal pedestal from from fire with with me me. and in the final episode it was in the final episode yeah, yeah yeah we did see it back there yeah so then we go back to vegas Yes. Into that home and the electrical outlets. And I, I just love how this one's shot. Again, it's this creeping black void that comes out of the electrical socket, but it's it's just like perfect lines of, mm-hmm. of light and shadow mm-hmm. uh, from the sunlight. And, uh, you know, people are slagging on the CGI, but this is like extremely well done uh, CGI because the shadow that the, the blackness casts is perfectly in timed, um, which is hard to do yeah. uh, when you're using real light versus... CGI light. Uh, but then uh, Cooper, it's obviously Cooper coming out of the purple world into this, into the real world. Right. Um, and he comes out kind of, again, two-dimensionally. And then he rotates over. And there's there's kind of like another second. Uh, and then he, he lands on the ground and he's whole. Yes. And he, he doesn't have any shoes on. He does not and have they, any And they show that. Just like Dougie didn't have any shoes on either. Yes. Um, and Jade appears right away. Yeah. And... She's like, because Cooper shows up wearing his black suit with his hair slicked back. Um, he looks like our Coop. He does not look like Dougie, yeah. who also weighed probably a good 30 or 40 pounds. Yeah, they put a good chunk of extra weight on um, Tom McLaughlin for yeah. sure. So, and she's like, what's going on? Like, what, what was that sound? And where did you get that haircut? And, oh my God, are you sick? Like, she sees the puke on the floor and it's... Um, 
it's kind of amusing, but at the same time, she's like, okay, hey, we got to go. They go out to the front step and, uh, a great, so, another comedic moment. Yeah, yeah. So she, she's like, where are your shoes? And <laughs> he doesn't, he's not reacting at all. He's just like a blank slate. So she's like, fine, I'll go in and get your shoes. She opens the door. He follows her in. She finds his shoes, comes out and he's gone. But then he appears behind her in the house and she's like, what are you doing? Like, and he doesn't have his, his car keys. She fishes in his pocket. And what does she find? She finds a key to the room 315 of the Great Northern. Yep. And it's just like, yes, because that's what Cooper had when he left. Yes, a key exactly. To the Great Northern and yeah. So, yeah, all right, they leave. And we get a little bit of intrigue because there's a guy in a Camaro who comes up. And this guy looks just like a Vegas. It looks like a greasy Jason Schwartzman. Maybe that's just me. Nah, well, I kind of see kinda, it, but okay. yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, so he, he pulls up and he's on, he goes on the radio saying she just left. Uh, the guy he's talking to is parked near the entrance to this housing development. Yeah, and uh, he's like, okay, well, I'll get him here. And right away we're like, oh, no, someone's come to kill Cooper. Mm-hmm. So we follow Cooper and Jade out. Yeah. Uh, and Cooper, uh, yeah, he's Jade, still very Jade dazed. is giving him a bunch of instructions about, like, yeah, you can call AA. Yeah, AAA, AAA and everything. They'll help you with your car. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he's not... Well, if he's listening, he's not absorbing any of it. Yeah. But he does notice that one of the street signs is called, called Sycamore street. street. He has some sort of reaction. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. visceral, like... Yeah, so this Cooper that we deal with, we'll, we'll talk about this more at the end, um, but it's very hard to grasp what's going on in, in this Cooper's mm-hmm. brain. Uh, but he doesn't react normally, obviously. He's not doing anything... He saw a sycamore, though, and there's something happens to him. Yeah, there's some reaction, some remembrance, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And then he does fish for his key from his pocket, and he looks at the key. Well, right before that, uh, we see the speed bump. Yeah, sign. right. So it says, warning speed bump. And so when he pulls out the key, we know right away he's, he's going to drop, drop the key. The key. Um, he does, and that's how the sniper, who was waiting for him at the entrance to the housing development, uh, fails to kill him. Right. And that's kind of how this scene ends. But not well, really. Not really, yeah. Because there's another weird addition to well, it. Well, we get we get the, the first gangster guy on the street puts what appears to be maybe a bomb. Yeah, probably. Or a bomb. tracking device, no, maybe. No, it's a bomb. It's a bomb? Yeah. Yeah. Under the car, under Dougie's car. Yeah. The, there's a house across the street where a kid is watching this happen. Yeah. And inside that home, we cut into it, and there is presumably the kid's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is drugged up on wasted. something. Wasted out of her mind. And she's seated at this table mm-hmm. uh, with a single pill inside of a pill case, a bottle of Jack Daniels or, or some sort of yeah. hard liquor, um, and like some smashed up things, a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking back to Doppelkoop and that Ace of Darkness. Yeah. Um, and she's yelling out over and over, 119. Yeah. And we were both like, what the hell does this mean? Like, yeah. It feels like it's just a typical Lynch oddity. But the, the fact that she's yelling this number that may or may not have significance in the future, it's really hard to say. Well, it seems like, yeah. I mean, it's 911 backwards. Yeah. It's the same number. It's either 119 or 116 or something that's on the cop cars that eventually come to find um, Mr. C's car that's crashed in South Dakota. Um, so, I mean, there's significance there. We know that David Lynch loves to play with numbers. Because mm-hmm. I, know, I know when you add up the numbers 1, 1, and 9, you get 11, which is... Um, a special number like it, those double numbers one one two two three three are mm-hmm. are significant in numerology so maybe there's something to be said for that or it could be nothing could be nothing 
and then so she eventually does like she places it's it's really still it's interesting to watch isn't it? but it is yeah it's it's like a ritual like she's very reverent of this pill mm-hmm. and she's staring at it as she pours her drink like all her attention is on this one pill mm-hmm. um and then she lights a, a cigarette with like a massive industrial yeah blo- a butane lighter yeah exactly <laughs> um it's just it's again one of those scenes i'm just like i have no idea what's going on but it's cool to watch and it could be really important. I don't know. So I'm just going to keep it in the back of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so where do we go next? We go, well, we go to uh, DC. Yes. And his car having yes. crashed. Uh, the cops arrive. Yeah. And the first cop gets out and goes to check on Cooper mm-hmm. uh, in the car. And as soon as he gets a whiff of the Garmin Bosia slash burnt oil inside yeah. it literally makes him sick he, he he gags and he falls over um and the other guy calls for an ambulance yes, and some gas, and gas masks, masks to protect something uh and they take the the guy away and that's it so we don't know exactly what's happening into dc at this point but uh something yeah so after this we get our first look in this part of twin peaks yeah and what is it but hawk hanging up a Donut disturb sign on his on the conference room oh, door. Oh, they're gonna sell out of those on Amazon. Well, <laughs> no, I think Showtime. If you're listening, you you they need market, to market this. They probably already are. Yeah, uh, I think that would be brilliant. <laughs> I would buy ten thousand. <laughs> anyway, so Hawk has brought coffee and donuts, like he promised, yep. and uh, Lucy and Andy, as they promised, have laid out all the uh, evidence from Laura Palmer's closed murder case on the table in the conference room. And they've gone through it. They said, we can't find anything that's missing. And there's a humorous exchange where they're talking about, well, if it's not here, how do you know it's missing? Well, if it is here, then it's not missing. And Hawk is just kind of like, okay, let's sit down. No, wait, let me sit down. And it's it's cute. It's it's It reminded me of the scenes of the townspeople in, in Fire Walk With Me more so than in mm-hmm. the TV show. Yeah. Like where everything is kind of slow and drawn out and there's lots of room for... Um, like those long reaction shots that they have with one another, um, which I don't mind at all. Uh, but Hawk is definitely in control of this, yeah. of this situation. Uh, he's deputy chief, obviously. Yeah. So uh, he knows that something is missing and he knows that the only way to find it is through his heritage. And then Lucy says, you're an Indian. And he's like, yes, yes Lucy. That's right. <laughs> and then when she, she has this moment where she, um, she sees... She screams. She she panics, covers her mouth, and she's like, "I know what's missing. It's the chocolate bunny." And we we go to the evidence bag where the chocolate bunnies that were in Laura's bedroom twenty five years earlier are still sealed in this bag. And Lucy says that she ate one of them when she had a bubble of gas at some point. I'm assuming she did this twenty five years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm thinking she, it wasn't good. today. Yeah, but anyway, because that's twenty five year old chocolate. That's gross. Yeah. Lucy, get with it. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah. But um, she's heartbroken. She's like, I never did it again. And I'm. she's embarrassed to talk about it in front of Andy. And then there's another humorous exchange where they're like, Do, does are bunnies part of yeah. Native American, like, your heritage yeah, yeah, talk? Yeah, yeah. Or did, you know, indigenous people use chocolate when they had gas? And Hawk is all of a sudden really confused. He's like, no, no, it's not, not about the bunny. Is, is it, it about the bunny? bunny? And it's just, <laughs> No. No, it's not uh, about the bunny. Um, but then we get a final shot, and it's like, wait a minute, maybe it is about the bunny. <laughs> and it's, yeah, again, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, 
kind of the funny scenes in uh, Mulholland Drive, like the the assassins scene, right, yeah. where it's just like this long drawn out thing mm-hmm. about really quite a simple act that yeah. should have happened already. And then yeah, where you shoot the guy of, and then the other guy dies, and you have to like make yeah, like, yeah, the whole and then you shoot the, the vacuum cleaner at the yeah. end, and then the alarms go off, like yeah. Yeah, it's like this Comedy is of yes, just to get to the fact that no, it's probably not about the yeah. bunnies. But we haven't totally ruled out the bunny equation because my question was, there were four bunnies, and it seems like three are missing. So maybe the number three is important. We've already well, seen. Well, but a there's few no bunnies episode. left. Are there any bunnies in there? Was there one bunny left? I don't know. I thought there was one. I bunny. thought there was one bunny wrapper left. So there were three uh, missing, and Lucy ate the fourth one. Well, four three zero. Maybe four full, used to be four bunnies, then three missing three. bunnies, and no. there's zero real bunnies left. That's a, that's a good theory. That's a big stretch. And big so stretch. I'm going for it. That's my that's my whole thing. You're putting your flag in that one. <laughs> Not even close. So the next scene we get is Dr. Jacoby just painting shovels for a long period of time. And you love this because of the sound, you said? Yeah, the sound, definitely. Uh, but it's also, I just love the, the lynch approach to something like this mm-hmm. it is it is long and just well you know just I, I call it a lynchian shot of progress okay or process i should say process. uh it's lynch loves these things where it's just it's it's routine work but you show it in in an interesting way and you film it from it's like it's like early how how it's made or you know early okay. reality tv okay. about uh, you know, how people just get along doing their jobs, right? Like this old house. Kind of. But, you know, how reality TV is always, it tries to turn it dramatic. Yeah, Lynch right. does the opposite. He almost does it he, like from like, a... It's like, this is mundane. This is just exactly what it is. Yeah, it's almost like a documentary yeah. of it. Um, so this is a documentary of... Of, of painting... Dr. Jacoby's Rube Goldberg machine. Yes. Paint Shovel painting apparatus. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it is. It's it's a makeshift, yeah. Machine Bicycle wheels yeah, yeah. and pedals. And these and pedals stuff. that he set up and everything again. Um, and there's no, there's, again, there's no music. It's just this sound. The sound of the forest and the yes. sound of the paint can. And, and then the whir if, like, yes, the... Yes, as the machine's yeah. working. And that's it. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just... It is strangely beautiful. It is. It's it, mesmerizing. Exactly. And for especially, something that's you, nothing. We get to see something turn to gold, which, mm-hmm. again, is... Alchemy. Alchemy. And what we've already seen is that, you know, Dougie got turned into gold. So yeah. this is the second thing being turned to gold in the episode. Hmm. Um, and then he, he hangs them up to dry and it's just, yeah. And you're like, okay, well, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. We don't know. This is all Dr. Kobe's been doing so far is mm-hmm. dealing with shovels. And yeah. here we get them turned to gold. Now, you pointed out that someone else on the internet, I believe, it's no, noticed well, no. something about shovels? Yeah, no, just that similar shovels were used to in the groundbreaking ceremony for the Great Northern Hotel that we saw in the episode where Ben um, starts having this breakdown mm-hmm. when he's watching the old home movies. So there's similar shovels uh. being used, but um, that may or may not be related. I think it's more important the fact that there's shovels being turned to gold and that there's five of them. Yeah. I think the number five comes up a lot in this episode, or in, in these two parts anyway. Yeah. We get five shovels. We have... Um, a casino game called Fives and Sparklers that comes up. Mm-hmm. The song Take Five is played. Yes. So I think we're we have to pay attention to the number five. Yes. As well as four three zero, as well as two five three, as well as three fifteen. Well, and this thing, I feel. <laughs> I like, think anytime there's numbers one one nine, you've got to pay attention. Well, I think that's the thing though. I think a lot of them are blue roses. They could <laughs> like, be honestly like it's well, or red herring. Red herring, yeah, blue exactly. Herrings? Blue herring. Red roses. Red roses. We'll go with those. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking yeah. of five, actually, mm-hmm. uh, so we go back to the Silver Mustang Casino and Jade drops off 
yes. uh, Cooper, and she gives him five dollars yeah. and says, "Call for help." Yeah. And so that's where, where the title of the episode. And because Cooper, as he's him. started doing, just Dougie. repeats. Yeah. Well, Dougie. when he's like this, he's Dougie. Yeah. Sure. Let's call him Dougie. Yeah. That works. Um, and then she also says, you can go out now. Yes. And he has a bit of a flashback right. to Laura in the Red Room in the previous Which part. is, that's exactly what she said to him, is that you can go out now. Yeah. So we, we get a sense that, um, and we'll talk about what, what this might mean. Where did Dougie go and what happened to Cooper when he left? But we get a sense here that he isn't whole, but that there's part of him that remembers things from before. Sycamores, maybe the hotel key... Um, definitely what Laura said. He's having, like, impressions of yeah. flashbacks almost. Yeah. Um, so, but he still can't function as a human being, yeah. right? So she has to basically push him out of the car. He doesn't close the door behind him. He doesn't know how to operate a revolving door, yeah. which, granted, it's I mean, difficult. it's I don't like revolving doors either. Him. But it's it's kind of a funny little, little moment in, uh, with him in the... Yeah. Getting bumped by the door, like which is my times. biggest fear, honestly. That's why I avoid revolving doors. You know honest. they won't kill you. I don't believe that. <laughs> I've seen too many Rescue 911 episodes where people get sucked into escalators and stuff and, like, just horrifying stuff. Okay. Why did my parents let me watch this stuff? Why did they let me watch all of this? <laughs> yeah, you, you have a weird childhood. I guess so. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, it uh, goes into the casino. Yes. And I had a note here that, um, hey, first of all, Huge props to Kyle McLaughlin that he can play Bad Coop, he can play Coop in the Red Room, he can play Dougie, um, and he can, he's playing them all so superbly. <laughs> it's amazing. And this character, this Dougie character that we meet, has a kind of a, like, Charlie Chaplin little tramp feel to him. The way that he walks and the physical waddles, comedy yeah, that, bit, that yeah. is going on, that's what instantly came to mind. It's like I'm watching a silent comedy, Buster Keaton kind of bumbling character who's making his way through this loud and very busy environment, right? Um, it's just really, really... Yeah. This is where almost all of the comedy comes yes. in the next little bit, is him kind of bumbling around. But it's also really frustrating because he's encountered Jade. He encounters a security guard when he first arrives. He encounters the cashier. And none of these people recognize this person probably has, at the very least, a mild neurological condition. Like, Jade does say, I think you had a little stroke. <laughs> yeah. Um, does nobody think that you should maybe call a doctor? Well, Jade can't, right? How would she tell them, oh, yeah, I'm his prostitute. Okay, but like, still. like Yeah, the security guard, especially. Like, yeah. That's kind of your job there to make sure people aren't getting hurt at the casino. So a guy would... Like, I, I don't like know. This. Is this is this an American thing where you don't want to intrude if this person doesn't have insurance? You don't want to call a hospital <laughs> that is going to charge him for it? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Please help well, us with it, this, guys. Why, it, is, why is nobody calling for help? Well, and the change lady seems to... Feel for him, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, you kind of like she's she's worried well, she's about." She's concerned, him. yeah, because yeah. um, she does give him change in the little cup. Yeah, and she, yeah, and she's like, "Okay, now go, go play find the slots. Some help. Don't well, no, just I, point him to the payphone. He's saying, call for help.' Well, the, the security guard for him too was in the back. That's okay. where the phones are. Call you can call whoever you want. Right in the back. So but she, she he also says to her, "Call for help too," doesn't he? So yeah. So why why does she not? I don't know. Yeah. Well, she's not going to call for help. It's probably not in her job description. So he wanders through the casino and, through observation, learns how to play the slots. Yes. And at that point, he starts seeing... Um, when I first saw it, it looked like a like a traffic cone. Yeah, but it's like it's, it, I think it's just a forced perspective shot of the red room uh, corridor, the, yeah. hall, the hallway with the chevron floor and the red curtains and fire coming up 
from around it, it. Around yeah, it. yeah, in the shape of kind of like a triangle. Yeah, and it's hovering over top of a slot machine. So he goes towards it, puts his money in, and wins the jackpot. And then this is what carries him through the next however many yeah. minutes. Yeah, he just goes to what turns out to be thirty different machines and wins thirty different jackpots, um, all by following this red room fire symbol that yeah. tells him which ones are the winning jackpots. And it's. It's fun because the first time he watches someone win, mm-hmm. this is how he gets the idea, I guess. Hello. And then Cooper, every time he uh, wins, he does the same thing. He rubs the coin yeah. just so for good luck, puts it in, pulls down the handle very like yeah, methodically, methodically and stuff. And then hello. hello. <laughs> and it's, it's just great. It's just great. It's it's that hilarious. is my ringtone now. Yes. yes. <laughs> Um, so he wins the first two, and then, you know, a casino worker comes over and says, Congratulations, sir, you've won... The mega jackpot. The mega jackpot. It's it's worth 20400 or something, yeah. right? Um, and I'll get you a bigger, bucket, bigger bucket so you can start working with your winnings or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, he says call for help to her, and she's like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't help him at all, which well, is... And that one I liked, because, yeah. like, she is, like... I want help. Like, if someone yeah. said, I want help, it's like, yeah, I know, sir. I'll get you all your money. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about yeah, exactly. That's what, you, that's what you're used to dealing with, right? Um, and I also then, like that there's this grungy lady that's yeah. in the casino, too, which is very, again... Very Vegas. Very Vegas. Yeah. Um, um, and at she's, first, she's annoyed. Well, she's annoyed with him at this point. Cause, yeah, because uh, he's won twice, and yeah. she hasn't won anything. So he's going to come play a third one then when he sees another... Uh, it's the one right next to her. Right, right next to her. So she's like, no. Gives him the finger. And he's like, well, okay. And he leaves. <laughs> But the yeah. old lady, the old lady plays the slot machine next to. Doesn't the old lady win at this point? I think she wins. She wins a jackpot. Yes, she, she does plays win. The machine next to. And, and it's interesting because at this, and up to that point, we'd kind of not been sure if Cooper was actually making them win or if he's mm-hmm. just spotting ones that are primed to win. Like the next right. guy, whoever's going to pull it again, is going to win. Right. Um, which is statistically how they do work. So Yeah. And so this clarifies, yes, he's just literally being told. Which ones are the winners. But he still has to act on it. Because she then pulls one and wins after he pointed it out to her, basically. Right. So it's not that he he's the thing he's not that's in control. going to win. Yes. It's anybody could win. Anybody, anybody could who win. sits down at the machines that have the symbol over top of them yes. would win. He's just being provided extra information. Yes. So this raises all sorts of questions. Of right. How is this happening? Who's mm-hmm. doing this for him? Is this... Something innate to Cooper now that he's out of the Red Room? Is this some magical wizard sorcerer ability yeah. that he's picked up? Is or, he now like <laughs> Right. Or is the Red Room guiding him in some way? Is somebody or something in the Red Room trying to help him? Yeah. Or trying to push him along on some divine path? So the last scenes here are in Philadelphia. We get our first look at Albert. Yeah. Good old Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. Um... It's and really Cole. nice. It's really nice to see him, though. Yeah, yeah and Gordon Cole, yeah. and uh, and a woman. Well, it's Christabel, but it her name is Tammy. So obviously, we're looking at Tamara Preston yeah. or Tamara Preston. I say Tamara. I say I say Tamara too. Although you said Tamara last time, but that's because everybody else calls her yeah. Tamara. Is yeah. that a weird pronunciation thing? I've only known Tamaras. Yeah, I've, known I've three never Tamaras met a t- in my Tamara. Life. Is it an American thing? Maybe. Do you call them Tamara? Tamara. Like I don't know. Tamarack, like the tree. Sure. I don't know. Doesn't make I don't know. sense. Anyways, we'll call her Tammy because Tammy, that's what, that's what they call her. Um, but it starts off, they're not talking to Tammy. Nope. They're talking to everybody else. There's a, a roundtable uh, discussion. A congressman or someone yeah. in high in power has been uh, charged with uh, the murder of his wife. He says he, he didn't do it. He knows who did do it, but he can't say or else it would compromise national security. Yeah. Which is a pretty good alibi, I guess, or yes. an excuse. 
so then he says, well, these are the clues to the killer. And we get a nice slow pan of two, a, like a swimsuit woman, yep. a woman in a bikini. Uh, what was the other thing? Uh, a, a small photo of a, a boy in a sailor outfit yeah. kind of thing. An Uzi and a jar of lima beans. I think or, lima beans or fava beans or something. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of uncooked bean. Yeah, or perfectly symmetrical rocks somehow. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're it, They're pretty much beans. But I love like, Gordon's first line in this is, the congressman's dilemma, yeah. which makes absolutely no sense in the context of what we've just seen, unless there's something about DC politics that we have no idea. We've watched a lot of The West Wing. I think we would get this. Well, I, I just Maybe assumed we're not that watching it was the like right the congressman's dilemma was like, oh, do he, I tell him who murdered my yeah, wife? Yeah, or... sacrifice national security, or do I, you know, I go thought to it had something the to do with life. the lima beans. Oh, that would be better. <laughs> that would be good too. No, I no, that doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But it could be funny. Um, so yeah. Anyways, anyway. like go go to work, figure out who did this. Yeah. Um, but then he asked Tammy to stay. Yep. Um, and she, he says, "Tell us what you found in New York." Yeah. And so we get now a recap of what happened to our friends. What were their names? Sam and Tracy. Sam and are Tracy what, are what Tammy says. Uh, their names are, and she says that she explains that this building they don't know who runs it, they don't well, know who's involved. No, that's involved. not what she said. She says that NYPD doesn't even know anything about this, okay. they're way over their head, they don't even know who owns the building. Yeah, but does she? We don't know. I she guess doesn't say, true. um, you think she would. Um, she also recaps that yes, there were guards on duty across throughout the building, but nobody can find mm-hmm. any of them. Um, and then yes, she names them Sam, Kobe, and Tracy, and I didn't get her last name, it's like an Italian last yeah, name, yeah, it's like Barbarossa or something Barbaro like that, or something, yeah. Um, and then she shows the the glass box and the bodies without the heads, and then she also mentions that sorry she also mentions that uh, the cameras how they worked, and that uh, they occasionally captured a few frames of random blurred shapes. She doesn't specify anything beyond that except for the one that does show up right before uh, the kids were killed. Which yeah, is she has a still grade. image. Yeah, yes. which is like a a, a body or a, a figure anyway. Yeah, a humanoid figure. Yeah, which is what we saw previously. Yeah, the the green gray alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hilarious because Cole says, "What the hell?" Yeah, which is interesting to me because I assume Cole before that line, I thought Cole knew everything that was going on at all times. Yeah, and the rest of us were all just kept in the dark. But this makes me feel like you know, Cole's just as clueless as the rest of us, yeah. which is held up in the next part as well. So at that point, they get a call over the intercom from, well, the whoever's on the other line of the dictaphone or the answering service says, it's about Cooper. No, no, and she says, it's Cooper. It's Cooper. But uh, so Gordon and Albert look at each other and rush out of the room. Yeah. Tammy kind of follows them. They go into Cooper or into Gordon's office. And I, I, okay, before we get into this, I just wanted to say, I thought it was interesting. There's a portrait of Franz Kafka on the wall. On one wall. On one wall. And on the opposite wall, there's a nuclear explosion behind Gordon's desk. And it immediately made me think of Kafka's Metamorphosis. Because doesn't Gregor turn into a... The main character in Metamorphosis turn into a cockroach? Well, it's it's an animal bug. It's not not translatable from from German. But yeah, it's like a a bug, basically, yeah. So that, to me, like, cockroaches survive nuclear explosions. So he's got a portrait of Kafka next to an... Well, and, I don't know. And metamorphosis is obviously quite a big thing. Well, in this, yeah, in no, show, absolutely. Right? That yeah. too. That too. But yeah. So, uh, but anyway, he gets the call and we just hear Gordon's end of the conversation. Yes. Where he, he doesn't, we don't really get much until he hangs up the phone and tells Albert that uh, 
they, they're going to South Dakota because... The Black Hills of South Dakota. The Black Hills of South Dakota. No, interview tomorrow at 9 o'clock sharp. And that's interesting because we'll we'll get into why that's interesting later on. But Potentially. We're the, making some assumptions here, yeah, but we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, and it, I just love that, A, he has a red phone next to a picture of yes. an atomic blast, which yes. is very JFK-ish. Uh, Cold War era. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> which fits with Cole. Uh, and then... It, when he picks up, he's all thinking he's, he's all uh, anxious, and he's like, "Yes, I'll hold." Yeah, <laughs> which is his first line. It's just sure. great. Um, yeah, and then he uh, rushes everybody out of the. Well, he rushes out of he the room, but Albert office, and Tammy yeah. stay, and because uh, Tammy's going with them, and Albert mentions something about Valium. Well, he says like he. Well, first he laments something about human existence. Well, he I says didn't write down the, line. the absurd mystery of the strange forces of existence, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the. A subtitle or something for the discarded script for Ronnie Rocket that David Lynch wrote. Uh-huh. So potentially some kind of a link there. Maybe it's just a fun turn of phrase that he wanted to return to. Maybe it has some significance. But the absurd mystery of the strange forces of existence. Yes. And then he offers Tammy, uh, I think he says, a truckload full of value. Yeah. <laughs> and she just kind of grins or whatever. Sure. And then we go to the roadhouse. Yes. And we get the... Uh, the closing credits played out by... Do you remember them? The Cactus Blossoms. The Cactus Blossoms. Yes, which reminded me of the Everly Brothers, which just yep. seems so fitting. Oh, God, yes. So. I was like, yep, this is country night at, at the Roadhouse, yep. and it's perfect. Like, yeah, it's Tuesday night, country night. Yeah. We're going to go square dancing. Yeah. Or well, whatever. Probably not Tuesday night. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't have to be linear, Aiden. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, okay, so part four. Brings back some memories. Brings back some memories. We start off in the Las Vegas Silver Mustang Casino, where Dougie has continued to win. Yeah. And security and the the casino staff are on him like hawks. Yes. And I love the, the manager. I just call him casino manager. I don't yeah, know I don't know. Name. Yeah. But he's bald and he's got well, like balding. This he's balding. got hair yes. on the side. But... Yes. Uh, but he just looks, he's so broken. He's, like, oh, he's like, oh my God, I'm dead. Because like, so he's won 29 mega jackpots. And the old lady who won at the beginning, the grungy bag lady looking yeah. lady, calls him Mr. Jackpots, Mr. which Jackpots. is now um, And she asks for his help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. She's like, Mr. Jackpots, which one do I go? And then he points, he points. one out. And then she goes to one nearby. She looks at him for confirmation. He's like, and he, he leans, leans over. over. He's like, to the right. Yeah. And then he find, she finds him and she's so happy and... And Presumably it's funny, she wins because that's actually the thirtieth jackpot. Yes, that is, is the one. So he doesn't only he doesn't win twenty. He doesn't win thirty. Well, yeah, he's he's, oh, he's responsible for thirty. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to matter. The numbers again. We're we're making note of numbers here. Yeah, the casino man. Yeah, so the casino manager's like, I'm dead. Like yeah. that's it. And you can only assume that this is related to the mob. So we've seen a scene in in. Uh, um, Part one or part two, I can't remember. With in Las uh, Vegas, in yeah. Las Vegas, with another like shady character handing money over and seem like mob dealings. We've got Dougie involved with somebody who's got a hit out on him, and now we've got a, a casino boss who is clearly, I mean, if not in trouble with his boss, you know, the high up guy who probably doesn't want to pay out this much for in winnings for you know slow night at the casino. Yeah. Um, maybe this is mob related too. Yeah. But anyway, uh, 
the next minute, Dougie is recognized by a man named Bill Shaker. Yep. And from uh, Allied Chemicals. From Allied Chemicals. So, a hint at what yeah. maybe Dougie's business is. Um, and he's with a, a woman, girlfriend, wife, companion, something. But Bill doesn't seem to recognize. So it made me wonder, Again. like, what kind of guy was yeah. Dougie before? Yeah. Like that nobody immediately recognized that something was wrong with him. Right? It's interesting because the like three seconds of Dougie that we get before he, he disappears is he does he seem a little slow. Normal. No, well, I, I was gonna say he's like, well, it's it's numb. I don't know why. Like he just he speaks very slowly and he's he doesn't seem to be he doesn't come off as that. Well, not smart. not this slow though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This. Well, that and that's the thing. People do notice. I'm yeah. just saying it's not like. If you went from Cooper, we know him as Cooper, so when yeah. we see him as as super yes. slow Dougie here. But if it's Dougie true. was already a little slow, it wouldn't well, be... Well, I felt like the Dougie we got was kind of like a southern drawl kind of laconic slowness. I didn't feel it was a dumb slowness. Like, this is, like, struck dumb. He's just completely unable to... He didn't have an accent. No, 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 I didn't... I don't mean that he had an accent. I just mean, like, that kind of... Everything's kind of long and drawn out. Like, I can take my time with my words because... Oh, okay. You know, like... It didn't feel like this. Okay. There's just a big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, It for did sure. feel like a big difference. But anyway. Um, uh, so, Dougie must be hungry because he, he's staring at... Staring at the hot the dog. The hot dog or whatever it is that yeah. Bill is Chili holding. dog, maybe, yeah. And he... Bill says that he... No, sorry, I can't give this to you because I haven't eaten since breakfast at home. And Dougie repeats the word home. Mm. And it's so sad because it's like... It's a word that obviously has resonance for him. And he repeats it a couple of times and... They, Bill and the woman are like, oh, Dougie, do you want to go home? And it's like he doesn't remember where home is. So we get from Bill that that he lives in Lancelot Court. Mm -hmm. With the red door. With the red door near Merlin's Market. So Lancelot and Merlin immediately bring back those Arthurian uh, references like we had with Glastonbury. Um, And then the red door as well is just an interesting color just because... so Bill sends him to the cabs outside and says, it's not a far drive, just yeah, go out to the cabs. So, so Dougie starts heading out towards the cabs and is intercepted by the, uh, the woman who yells, he's, he's, leaving, he's leaving, which reminded me Norwegians, of the Norwegians yeah. are leaving. And even, even her she hair, looks yeah, like... Yeah, um, does that. yeah so... Uh, the, the other interesting thing with the Bill Shaker and his girlfriend, they, they have a back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think he's okay? I don't think I don't he's think okay. He's okay. Do you think he's okay? Yeah, <laughs> and they like they just go back and forth. It. It's a it's just a Lynch. Yeah, exactly. Moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so security guard intercepts Dougie before he makes it to the door and ushers him to a back office with the manager who. Yeah, and it's um, interesting. He's like holding his neck, like he's like, yeah, yeah my neck's I'm, on the line. I'm gonna be dead. Yeah, anytime yep. now. Um, and then Cooper arrives and he, you know, they sit him down forcefully again mm-hmm. in a red velvet chair, of course. Mm-hmm. And the manager pulls out his winnings. Big and bag of money, which yeah. seems like, really? Is that how they do it in casinos when you win? You, you don't cut your check or... I don't know. It must be... I think there's, <laughs> I there's a lot of laws about how winnings have to be I'm sure dispersed and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm genuinely curious because that seems really suspicious. Ocean's Eleven, they had to have the amount of cash on hand yeah. for the bets that evening. Yeah. So I'm sure they must have a similar kind of role for casino winnings. If anybody has any information, we'd love to know. Anybody who lives in Vegas. And or works to, in Vegas. Yeah. Give or, us a... Frequence Vegas. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever walked out with with many, many thousands of dollars. Did it come in a bag? Yeah. Was there a large dollar sign on the front of it? These are the questions that I have after this really part. Um, and yeah, and he offers help. Like Cooper says, call for help. And yep. he says, well, how can we help you? And he offers, of course, prostitute. And, and yeah, well, yeah, he starts off with... 
yeah. the creature comforts yeah. and then works that works his way companionship yeah um and cooper just repeats home again it's really getting quite heartbreaking mm-hmm. um and at that point they they give him a limo uh don't worry about cabs no cab for you sir uh puts the winnings out pushes it towards cooper and cooper he's just mimicking dougie. everything it's dougie it's not Lindsay, cooper it he's is dougie. cooper it it's is dougie. cooper he's not cooper right now it is Cooper who came from the Red Room I down I know that, this. but it's Dougie. It's Cooper. He's so... <sighs> it's Cooper, at this point, stands up, and he's mimicking, <laughs> so he just pushes it back, yeah. and it is hilarious, because they're just kind of staring at each other. Well, and they even get close together. Like <laughs> It's it's almost like a mirror. It's like yeah. the, the final shot of the yeah. season two, where yeah. you know Cooper leans towards the mirror, and you see Bob in the mirror, and... That's what this is like. It's like they lean towards each other until they're inches away. And the manager gets all threatening and yeah. snarly and yeah. everything. When he says, yeah. But you have to promise me something. You'll come back and try your luck with us again. Soon. Anytime. Day or night. And Dougie goes, or, or night. night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he looks up at the camera. Yeah. Um, and the manager says, yeah, that's right. We're watching you. Uh which is interesting, yeah. There's definitely a very threatening presence there. Again, uh, you kind of were wondering, like, well, why did they give him the money then? Like, why not just let well, him leave and yeah, everything? Yeah, okay, legally they have to give him his winnings. But you'd think if he was in that much trouble, they would want to know, how did you know the machines were rigged? It feels like a Rain Man kind of situation. Yeah. Where, you know, if you have a card counter, you're not going to give them the money because they acquired that money through... Yeah, unfairly. But, yeah. I mean, so they watched did... him do the slots. So sure. maybe they'll... Come but maybe maybe they something. they would figure he rigged the machine, so wouldn't they want to check him out for yeah. you know some kind of yeah electrical? It, d- or it does feel like he gets away a little easily here, but I think we're just waiting. It's just it's another thing that's going to be simmering there, and we're going to be hearing about mm-hmm. it. Soon. Uh, so he does go in the limo, uh, and the limo driver is asking for directions. All he knows is that it's a red door in Lancelot Court. In Lancelot Court, but he Clark. can't find it because it's dark and it's yeah. hard to see the colors. Yeah. Uh, but he does eventually find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cooper gasps as he look out the window. Well, yeah, because what, what happens is... Uh, um, no, I think what, what happens is he looks out the window of the car as the driver who got out of the car and walks around the side. I don't think he realized that, that someone would be there. It's almost like Lucy when someone yes, appears that exactly. she, saw, he, she saw somewhere else. Or yeah, he has, else. he has no uh, sense of object permanence. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like, whoa, you were over there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so he... The driver opens the door, helps him out of the car, and, and he just stands there. Yeah. Dougie just stands there on the, the street corner in front of the house for several very long seconds. Yes. And uh, the driver stands with him, dutifully. Yep. And an owl flies overhead. Yes. And that was really creepy because the, the driver says, ooh, gives me the willies or yeah, something like that. Yeah, those things spook me. Yeah. Says, yeah. And uh, very soon after, um, Dougie's wife comes to the door. Played by... Played by... The lovely... The lovely the and perfect beautiful... Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. Oh. She is pissed. Even when she's oh, pissed. Oh, God. She's, well, she's such a great actress. I she just is, I yeah. love her in everything I've seen, which isn't much, but I do love her in everything mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, so she comes out and she's just... Yeah, she's mad. She slaps him. Yeah. Um, the driver kind of like, like, oh, okay, I'm, okay, I'm out of here. here. Thanks. Uh, and then she kind of fills us in. Like, he's been gone for three days without a word, didn't say anything. He missed work. He missed Sonny Jim's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important. Um, but then she pulls him in, and he just looks like a dumb fan. Like, yes. Yeah, he, yeah, this is, it really did remind me of Rain Man, because he has that kind of just... Socially oblivious kind yeah, of... Yeah, he has, like, like no reaction to anything she's saying. And he, she takes the money for the bag from him and looks in the in the bag and is like, 
where did you get this money? Don't tell me you hit the jackpot. And then he's like, points at himself and says, Mr. Jackpot. Mr. Jackpot. So, and then she, she's like, there's enough money in this bag to pay them back. Whatever that means. We'll probably find out. I'm presuming, again, there's a mob connection. Probably yeah. with the people who are trying to kill him. Yeah. Unless there's more. <laughs> well, on. see, that's interesting. We can maybe talk about it later. Let's talk about it now. Uh, I always assumed that uh, this the people trying to kill him were uh, Doppelkoop. Had set this up right. so that Dougie would be murdered as soon as... Yes. I think you're right. He swapped bodies. I think that this is related to um, the coordinates that... that Mr. C was looking for is probably yes. the coordinates that, um, of where, uh, Dougie would, Dougie show up. would be yeah, or where he suspected Dougie. Would, I don't know how he would know exactly. We haven't got there yet, but well, maybe, yeah, yeah. But I think that this is definitely part of some wide ranging network because what would happen and we'll get to it, but I think you, you can't have both good Cooper and bad Cooper existing at the same time. Yes. In the world. Yes. And we get some, some, Pretty clear statements yeah. about that coming but, up. So, but yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get there. Um, but anyways, that's well, it's worth considering. If if, if Coop is the one who's paying someone to kill Dougie, they wouldn't know that. No, someone... no, that's what I'm saying. There's another. Debt There's on another debt on top yeah. of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just to be clear. Yeah. For my sake. Well, as far as uh, maybe we'll, we'll <laughs> maybe see. we'll we'll find out. Uh, okay. So. Um, Next scene, mm-hmm. we walk into a very austere uh, office. I've said austere three or four times in this episode. It we is, need though. to find a thesaurus. Well, I think the FBI headquarters probably are. Very austere. austere yeah. But it's a beautiful office, wood-paneled office. Very important person works in this office. Gordon Cole is there, and he has a little exchange with the person who let him in. His name is Bill. And uh, they talk about... Martha, who fixed that thing with Paul. Yeah, by sending Paul to the North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which yeah. apparently is yep. good enough. Good enough, yep. Um, so when the g- Bill leaves, Gordon sits down, and who walks in the door? Well, first we get a shot of flowers on the chair oh, next yes, to him. Oh, yes, we do, yes. Uh, nice the bouquet chair. there. And then that's when Denise arrives. Yes, so... And uh, it's already been explained that this is the chief of staff's office. Yep. So Denise Bryson is the chief of staff of... The she entire says later, Federal Bureau of Investigations. Uh, yes. So, so she's Gordon's boss now. Yeah. And, uh, or, he, or higher than Gordon anyway. Yeah, like he reports to her boss probably. Yeah. So, uh, so Cooper, he explains that they found Cooper. He's in a federal prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but right away, Denise digs in about uh, Tammy Preston. Yeah. And I, she, I love her line. I know your, prof- your profile. Beautiful agent, barely 30. Yeah. Because she's describing Cooper. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, like it feels like... Uh, they're trying to set up that Tammy is the new Cooper. Right. Um, which is something we uh, commented and theorized about in from Secret History. Right. And but now that theory has kind of been blown apart well, just because of our impression of Tammy. Yes. But yes. we'll get there. We'll deal with that soon. Um, she seems to be a little disapproving, though. Yes. Denise does. Yeah. Of, or if not disapproving, then chiding playfully. I don't know how hiding, playful it is. That's hiding some deeper disapproval of Gordon's methods. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and Gordon kind of bristles a bit and he's like, well, I could have, you know, yeah. I, I had enough dirt on you to fill the Grand Canyon and I didn't use a teaspoon of it. And he actually has a really great line. And when you became Denise, I told all your colleagues, those clown comics, to fix their hearts or die. Uh, which gr- is which is really, oh, what? No, a great line about her her uh, transition into becoming a woman, uh, which 
we didn't, you know, we didn't really know how that worked out yeah. beyond what we saw on camera. Right. But obviously it worked out pretty well because she's yeah, the and, chief of staff and, now. And, and Gordon had her back. And we also get a little bit of information here about how um, that Denise was working undercover at the DEA. Uh, so she's always been an FBI agent, yeah. which I'm not 100% sure how relevant that is, but it might come back. Yeah. Because it, does that mean that the entire time we saw Denise in the original series, she was working undercover? And does that explain why she was so eager to help Cooper? Yeah. And not really doing her job as DEA agent, yeah. taking evidence from the guy who was... And why would yeah. she be... Like, it, it just... I mean, it it feels like Cooper or... Nicole. Gordon is... Uh, much more of a fairy godmother type figure who's always been like orchestrating these things from behind the scenes but it feels like things are getting away from him in this episode or in this part right so anyway denise gives her blessing for cole well, and albert and tammy, and tammy to go, go to yes. south dakota to investigate this yeah. and uh she, then she she says that she thinks he's on the track of something big right and big cole asks and then She's like, well, as long as Albert's with you, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because how does she know what they're on to? Right. And she knew that they'd, that they'd already yeah, had, had a call about Cooper. So, yeah. um, so she's, clearly she's, she's, she's in the know. Yeah. For sure. More than him even, I think, yeah. at this point. Uh, and perhaps that's because she runs the Chicago or the New York place. Anyways. Philadelphia. Nope. New York. The Glass Chamber. She knows what's oh, going on Oh, I see. Yeah. You think she's behind the... No, I don't think she is. I think the United she States knows. government is, and she happens to know slightly ah, more than the deputy okay. director of right. the Philadelphia office. But Anyway, yeah. we go back to... It's nighttime at the Sheriff's Department in Twin Peaks. Lucy's having a conversation with Sheriff Truman about the thermostat, and I didn't really understand the first time I watched this what she was talking about, but it seems like she just doesn't understand how thermostats work. No, it feels like she's lost sense of how time works because she's like, is it on when we're not here? How do we know if it's on when yeah, we're not yeah, here? Yeah. Like, we come in early and... And it's on. It's if we on. came in earlier, would it still, still be on? on? Like, like, yes, that's yes, how things work. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Like, I really don't like what they've done with well, Lucy's character. Yeah, it feels like she's become kind of a parody of herself. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And I, I, I don't think... I think that David Lynch has a lot of affection for the characters that he creates, so I don't think he's doing this without a reason. Because he does the same thing with Andy. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. Um, but not with Hawk. And Sheriff Truman still has uh, gravitas yeah. here, too. Oh, Even he, though it's not Harry S. Yeah, Truman, it's, it's Frank it's Truman. Still a we Sheriff still Truman, yeah. yeah, we still have a sense that this is an important figure. It's only the Brennans that, that are dealt with in this kind of yeah. um, very... Uh, parody slash satirical manner yeah but um at any at any rate she's on the phone with the sheriff and the call appears to not be connecting she's yeah so she's just yeah a call drops and then he shows up behind her with his iphone phone, in his hand and, he's like, and she freaks now. out and falls over in her chair in a very like uh you know yeah it's a, it is a sick comedy movie. film yeah, moment yeah, like yeah. it's not uh yeah. even the way her chair tilts yeah. back is very like that's, yeah, very stereotypical. Like That's an Adam stereotypical. Sandler film. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? yeah. And, and Andy rushes in, and he kind of scolds Sheriff Truman, for like, were you on your cell phone yeah. again? And Truman just, just yeah. can't. It's Frank Truman. It's it's Robert Forster is uh, Frank Truman. Yeah. 
Um, and he is so done with this. He just kind of walks off saying, Lucy, hang up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because the first thing we get of Harry Truman is his patience with Right, where Lucy. she's describing which line the phone is yes, gonna going to be going to. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. And he's just, that's how he works with Lucy. And yeah. then here, Frank is the opposite. Yeah. And uh, Not the opposite. He doesn't yell at her. He doesn't freak out at her. But he certainly doesn't he's, seem he's, to have the same level, level of affection or patience no, for her. No, and I think that's interesting because... Yeah. I think that's supposed to be indicative of his character. He's a little more no-nonsense. He doesn't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which but I think holds up. It's interesting that um, that he goes from the front room, the front desk reception area, to a back room where there's another much more sophisticated well, it's, it's sheriff's the modern, Yeah, it's the on. modern dispatch. This is where, area. like before, Lucy would get the call about which crimes whatever. are being committed yeah. or whatever. Here, there's like an actual dispatch unit and there's somebody who's like, okay, well, we had a, this, that, and a, an overdose at the school. Um, Lucy is not a part of that. Yeah. Lucy and Andy are at the front and here's this sophisticated operation going on at the back. So it's almost like we've got two sheriff's departments and, and like all the old staff have been grandfathered in, but they don't actually need to be there. Yeah. It's like they've inherited their positions and they're going to stay on until they die, right? Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting to me anyway. Yeah. Uh, so and, he, yeah. they go through all the crimes and everything that have, that have happened overnight. And then Truman goes off to find Hawk to probably fill him in on the same. Well, yeah. And one of the... Uh, it wasn't a crime, but there was an overdose at yes, the school. Uh, uh, little Danny Craig right. never got up from his desk. Yeah. Um, and did die, we find out. Because, yeah, he goes to find Hawk. Um, and who and does he meet in the hallway? Bobby Briggs. Bobby Briggs as a deputy. As a deputy. Deputy Which is Briggs. great. And yeah. he's in charge of monitoring the trails of drug dealers coming down from Canada, which presumably, if things held up, he's, yeah. he's ter- changed his tune. Yep. He knows all the ins and outs of the, the drug trade in Twin Peaks, so yep. he'd be the one you'd want on your, on your side. And this is interesting because my initial thought was that he... As much as I love, I love Bobby and I loved where he was going in season two and I hope he is reformed and he's a true bookhouse boy slash uh, cop now. Mm-hmm. But my initial thing was like, no, the reason he's not catching any drugs is because he's the crooked cop who's dealing no, drugs now. I don't now. think so. I don't think so either and I really hope not. But it reminded me that he killed the crooked cop in uh, Firewalk, in with, Firewalk me. with me and now he's perhaps inheriting that, that role as well. Um because we don't we don't know what's happened with him. I I get the sense he's not with Shelley based on her making eyes with that dude in the bar. Uh, he might not have even been the father of her. Well, and Shelley is actually kid. just listed as Shelley in the yeah, credits. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not Shelley Briggs, at least not so far. Also, not Shelley Johnson. So yeah. maybe maybe Leo survived. Yeah, we don't know yet. Anyway, uh, we go to see. Andy talking to Lucy quickly yeah. about cell phones. Yeah, tries to explain Again, it. just another very weird moment of she just doesn't understand how cell phones work. Yeah. Which, Lucy wasn't the brightest bulb, but you'd think she'd get... Well, she had like... After multiple attempts. Which car radios, like they had those. She'd yeah. call them all the time. You're at the roadhouse? And she so this this makes me think that this is, this is intentional. There's something going on here. Maybe it's very easily explained as, I don't know trauma to something happened to lucy that yeah. made her this way or there's something else going on she has dementia maybe maybe i don't, I don't know. know it's hard to tell but uh then we get uh sheriff truman and hawk in the break room or in the the conference room and i found it interesting because hawk is is explaining margaret's role in this whole thing and 
I feel like, and like Andy walks in, and then Lucy comes in as well. After I Chad, feel, yes, Chad is one of the new deputies, but and he's he's the douche, douche canoe, yeah, deputy, yeah. But I feel like it's interesting that Frank, who presumably, if we go by what we read in Secret History and the fact that he's a Truman as well, he's grown up in the town. He knows the people. Why does he need to be explained about? Yeah. The log about Margaret's presence and and her abilities or whatever. Like, why does that? I feel like it's almost Hawk justifying it. Like, I think I feel like. But Andy's the one who says that she gets messages from her log and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, yeah why yeah, yeah. did they need? No, to No, I think he's that? explained that to Chad. Really? Uh, yeah, I feel like Hawk is trying to justify spending time and resources on this. So mm-hmm. he's explaining, like, you know, we've got good information from her in the past and and all this stuff. Uh, because I get the sense that Frank is not a believer. Yeah, no, I, you you're know, right. I, I get, you know, like, well, and, and he didn't have the experience that, that Harry had with, with Cooper to yeah, exactly. justify a belief in this or to anything. Go through all so that, yeah. maybe, but, um, and at it, any rate, yeah. Bobby comes in and sees Laura's picture on the table and starts to cry. Mm-hmm. And we get Laura Palmer's theme playing over it too. And I know this is a really touching moment and it really is the first time we hear this, the theme music since... The yeah, finale yeah, of finale. season two, really, I guess. Um, and so, but I, I still felt like this also was melodrama to the max. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was as in character for Bobby. Well, I felt like this, what happens to Bobby is that the old series comes out and grabs him. Mm-hmm. And then he is drawn back into this world of, of tears and melodrama and Laura's death being mm-hmm. so central. I feel like, it, it tied back especially to Maddie's death mm-hmm. and how this this Bobby was overcome by this knowledge right. and the sorrow in the roadhouse that, that had no explanation. It just happened. I, I guess. feel like this is Laura's, not just her picture, but literally, again, this is what I'm talking about with the music being diegetic, is that literally the song came up and appeared in his head yeah. and he was reminded of the powerful loss that he felt right. when she died. Maybe. And... and because none, none of the other characters really respond, but he 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 hears this song. Sure. And uh, like I, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to say it's a bad moment. It just struck me as no, odd. It doesn't it doesn't and, fit with the rest of the film. And again, feel. with yeah. with the same thing, same way that I felt with uh, Lucy and and Andy scenes, just being like over the top. Yeah. Almost. No, it's definitely so noticeable. It yeah. Felt like what's happening in Twin Peaks is weird. Like it's more weird than it's ever been. Yeah. It's just so different from true. the world that we see outside of it. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's maybe that'll come into play later. Yeah. But it almost feels like what we're seeing in Twin Peaks is a send up of what we expect to see in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Is lots yeah. of crying and lots of Lucy being a ditz and lots of donuts and coffee and whatnot. You know. Yeah. But anyway, not that I mind it. No. Uh, and we get some very important information. Yes, we do. Especially if you haven't read the Secret History of Twin yes. Peaks. Uh, Bobby explains, no. well, after Hawk kind of says that we're looking into, uh, what's missing about something about Agent Cooper and Bobby's like, whoa, Cooper, he was the last person to see my father alive. Right. Or to talk to my father. And, uh, Hawk's like, what, what is that? And then Bobby recounts how, uh, the day before his father died, Cooper came to him at the house and talked to him and his mother told him, told Bobby about this, uh, after, uh, the major died and you find out how the major died. He died in a fire at his uh, at the station. station. Yeah, yeah, at his station. 
So he did he was, say at his station? Yeah, I thought so. Oh, I thought he said at the station, but either way, yeah. Presumably, it's his listening post. Yeah, uh, which again we know about from Firewalks. Me and we know a little bit about from the actual TV series, but what his role w- there was 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 to monitor for extraterrestrials and right. spirits and extra dimensional creatures or however we're describing them. We heard about that in Firewalk with me. Uh, a little bit, yeah. He's like, uh, I my job is to listen to deep space signals and noise and then. You also find out that he was actually pointing his antennas at the the woods and stuff like that. That wasn't in Firewalk. I mean, that was in the series. Sorry, in the series. Did I say Firewalk? Yeah, you did. Okay, my bad. That's okay. Uh, Yeah, so we do get a bit more there. Yeah. uh, Which is interesting because, yeah, instantly we know DC totally killed Major Briggs. Or something. No, DC totally killed. Well. (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not, but. I have, I have thoughts. Yeah, maybe Major, what if Major Briggs isn't dead? Just. Okay, okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. Then we get uh, another deputy comes in yeah. and announces that there's a man outside who I wants to that. see, uh, who, who claims his name is Wally Brando. This is Andy and Lucy's son. They rush out to see him, but who he really wants to see is Sheriff Truman. He wants to come pay his respects to Sheriff Truman for some reason. So, <laughs> outside. We see Marlon, I mean Wally Brando. This is this is literally it's Michael Sarah. Okay, first of all, Aiden, you were absolutely right that that Michael Sarah was gonna play. Be well, playing. me and half the internet, yes. Yeah, but you called it. I was skeptical, but you called it that that he would play Lucy and Andy's kid. Because we needed someone super awkward to play yeah. the child of two super awkward people. And and this is and super boy, awkward. This is super awkward. But I love I love and hate that he is actually he's dressed. 100% like Marlon Brando in The Wild One. Yeah. Like, to the, the cap, and he's on the, with the leather jacket on his bike. Um, he's even affecting Marlon Brando's accent. Yep. Um, yeah, it's delivered everything. It's so, so, And he says the most asinine shit I've ever oh heard God. out of, since Dick Tremaine, which really makes me think that this is Dick's kid. <laughs> Andy did not father this child. <laughs> this is Dick Tremaine's child. That, that 1,000%. Yeah, I could see that. Um... I hated this scene. <laughs> this was the first thing I did not enjoy well, at all. On the first watch. The second watch, I could appreciate it as a Brando, uh, Marlon Brando homage delivered by a car- is, uh, an actor is... I would never see giving no. a Marlon Brando uh, homage and doing a pretty decent job of it. He, he mimics it very Michael well. In his Michael Sarah way. Um, I mean, it's George Michael Bluth yes. doing Marlon Brando, but... yeah. But it, this is, again, it feels like this is amping up the parody level, right? Like, this is yeah. not real life. I feel like we're watching Invitation to Love here. Yeah, like a little is, bit, this yeah. Is, this is a soap opera within the TV show that we've been watching for the last four hours. Because we've got all this, this like, heightened melodrama and really awkward comedic moments that don't fit exactly with what we would expect and then, and then this Marlon Brando ripoff character, who is really like if James Hurley was the James Dean ripoff character, but done much more subtly than this. This is like See, over the top. This is why the thesis of all eighteen hours is reclaiming James Hurley's character. <laughs> you thought James was a terrible biker character. Wait until you wait meet until you see Wally Michael Sarah as Wally. Is his last name yes, really Wally Brando? His... Yes. God, it's Wally in Brennan, the credits. I know. Wally Brando, who was born on Marlon Brando's birthday, remember? Yes, um, which 
Would you, let's talk about that. Let's talk about something actually interesting. No, we'll, we'll get, let's get to it at the end because we okay. have all the questions. The so end. there are just, I hated this scene. I didn't really even like it the second time, but yeah. I, I could appreciate it kind of. There are a lot of people on the internet that I've been reading are like, this is the greatest yeah. moment in cinema history. And I'm like... I think they're being ironic. No, I don't think they are. I think there are people <laughs> who really believe that this well, is somehow... I'm reserving my, my <laughs> harshest judgment because I really didn't like it, but I'm hoping that it serves a purpose. And Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. And then, don't know. And I, and I can appreciate it for the absurdity. If nothing else, this is a completely absurd scene, and I laughed my ass off. Uh, see, I laughed more the second time. The first yes. time I was cringing. Yeah, I was it was like, so I cringy. I couldn't I even watch wanna... it. I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is really bad. Like, we both went on our phones yeah. for the first time like, in oh, four hours. I don't know. Like, why? No, I no. don't know. Why is he still talking? <laughs> why is the road meeting his wheels? Like, yeah. Uh... His dharma is the road? What is he talking about? So, yeah. But the Although, second time we did laugh quite hard. Yeah, I mean, it's much better. Just, it's so awkward. It's, yeah. But and anyway, I'm... we are we are all Sheriff Truman when he walks away shaking his head. Um, well, that's the thing. I feel like they're perfectly aware of how terrible this is. Like, this is not David Lynch, mm-hmm. you know, earnestly saying no. anything in the scene because he knows that it's it's ridiculous. So, no, he's definitely so he's put done the for Brennans a on some on a, kind of weird pedestal yeah, yeah. to showcase something. Yeah. It's so, just not clear yet at yeah, this point. Yeah. We'll get there, I'm sure. And I love sure. Lucy gives the foot raise kiss yeah. at the end. Like, that's so sweet. Yeah, so. Okay, so uh, back in Las Vegas... We have Dougie with his green mohair suit the next morning. He's wearing blue pajamas. Blue pajamas. Cooper's wearing his blue pajamas again. Uh, he doesn't really seem to know what to do, how to get dressed or what to do about anything. Nope. And he gets a flat... We, well, we flash the red room and we see Philip Gerard kind of looking wandering around, wandering edge, yeah. aimlessly. And when Dougie looks at... There's a chair in the corner of the room. And when Dougie looks at the, the chair, he sees uh, Philip kind of projected on top of yeah. it, superimposed. And Philip says, you see me, don't you? You were tricked. And he holds up the little gold ball. Now one of you must die. And that, I think, is is what we were getting at earlier, that these two, bad Cooper and good Cooper, can't exist at the same time. Yeah. Um, and at, so after Mike has, I call him so, Mike still, no, I call him Mike. You're calling everybody with the wrong names on purpose now. I think you're doing it just to piss me off. So Mike, uh, <laughs> after he's held the gold pebble and described how one of them must die, Cooper goes, just collapses into his crotch, yeah. basically. Well, I like, thought he was going to get sick again, but no, he just has to pee. He just has to pee. And he, his body did not send that signal yet. And that's yeah. why I think it's almost interesting. I think kind of feel like part of Cooper is still in the Red Room right. at this point, And that as the Red Room is kind of feeding him information, he gets more and more of his bodily mm. functions back. And this is one of them. Mm. Uh it's a, it's a bit of a reach. Anyways, uh, his wife, uh, what, what's her name? Tracy G- E. Janie. Janie E. Uh, walks in and... Uh, Has she, to show him how to go potty, yes. basically. And then she calls him, listen, Mr. Dreamweaver, yeah. is what she says to him, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then he pees aggressively. Yeah, all <laughs> over the place. This is like the best urination scene since Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. Yeah. The only thing that, I mean, we don't have Madonna sitting there timing Tiny, it, but, but but if we could time the force of the, the oh, urine yeah, stream, yeah, yeah, it was... that would be, the heat, but you can tell, he's just pissing all over yeah, the place. Yeah, the sound effects <laughs> again, yes. But he's obviously relieved when he's done. Yeah. And, uh, he's got a is this, sigh. Yeah. Is this like, you, you haven't peed since you went into the Yeah, bedroom, I would think maybe? so, yeah, 25 years worth. Oh, that's, that's, that's rough. 
really ick. Wow. Yeah. So when he finishes, he he's relieved. He looks up and looks in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And this is where I feel like we're getting a, a nice, creepy, eerie callback to the finale of season two, where he looks in the mirror and he kind of reaches out and touches himself in the mirror. So is he remembering seeing Bob in the mirror? Was he part of that experience? Yeah. Does he still have access to that? Or is know. he having some kind of remembrance of the fact that there's a doppelganger, that he's seeing himself reflected back in himself. Yeah. Like, there's two of him. Yeah. In that moment, there's two Coopers, two yeah. Duggies. Is, does he know now, or is he remembering somehow Something about that, yeah. his doppelganger is out there, too? I hope so. Yeah, me too. So, um, yeah, so Janie, and it's J-A-N-E-Y, not with an E. Um, she, so Janie comes in, and she all of a sudden recognizes that he's lost weight, very noticeable that he lost weight. I mean, come on. So again, his wife doesn't really seem to know him very well at no. all. Uh, she helps get him dressed except for his tie, which she doesn't understand how to put on. And then he sees Sunny Jim in the hallway when Janie leaves. And they kind of have a moment. They stare at each other. They mm-hmm. smile at each other. And then Sunny Jim flashes him a thumbs up. And Dougie flashes a thumbs up and kind of turns his back, like, to the... Yeah. And makes Sunny Jim laugh, which yeah. is, you know, cute, whatever. Yeah. But it's just another one of those little moments where you're like, please, like, come back to yeah, Cooper. Like, yeah. Cooper is coming back to him slowly, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to tell Yeah. Yeah, whether or not that's actually happening. So, downstairs in the breakfast, this breakfast scene is set to the first piece of music that is a popular piece of music. Mm-hmm. That is... Um, not existing as a as a end of show theme in the Roadhouse, it's Take Five by the Dave Brubeck Quartet, which I love this song anyway. But it's uh, it's a great um, you hear it in movies all the time, and yeah. it's usually done in a way that there's no dialogue; it's just the music is playing over top of the scene because it's that kind of music, right? Yeah. And it's called Take Five because it's in five four time. So if we're going to play with numbers, if we're going to talk about numbers, five is coming up again here as yep. well. So what happens? Not much. I mean, he walks <laughs> in. He has the Cooper uh, Dougie has Thank a, you. the tie uh, just dangled over top of his head, which is just hilarious. Yeah. Again. Um, and the, again, the, the kitchen is just beautifully shot. It's this lovely, soft, pastelish kind of and just bathed in sun. Mm-hmm. Very calming and relaxing. It feels like just the way it's shot is like a moment of refuge. Like, mm. you know, nothing really terrible is going to happen. It's not yeah. like there's going to be a drive-by shooting uh, that happens. Not while well, Take Five's playing, for sure. Yeah. Um, so he, he walks in, and uh, Sonny Jim kind of has to, like, help him sit down and, and shows him. Uh, uh, Janie brings over uh, some pancakes. Mm-hmm. And he Sonny Jim has to pour the syrup out for him, and he has to watch Sonny Jim eat in order to yeah. figure out how to use his, his uh, fork. Um, and he, he like he has to bend over and look at the pancakes really. Well, yeah, intensely. wasn't he going to use his fingers? Well, he, he touches like it point. first, yeah, and okay. then he examines it, and he's like, and then he looks over at Sunny Jim's yeah. and figures it out. Um, and it, when he bites in, he, oh. he gets that taste of yes. syrup. It's, it's not like, syrup and ham. No, it's not. But, it's, but yeah. it it is that first moment where it's like we know how important food was to Cooper. Yeah. So to have him like revel in taste in food again. Yeah. It's like, this is how he's going to come back. But it's even better when Janie comes over with his cup of coffee. Oh, God. He's just, he says coffee. Like, yeah. he's just, yeah. 
And then he just grabs it and st- drinks it. And just like in the, the third episode. The rocks and bottles scene. Rocks and bottles scene. Way too hot. And he spits it out everywhere. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't say hot this time. He, he says, says hi. Hi. Which is weird. It's like he's going to say hot. Yeah. But he says hi instead, which is, I mean, yeah. I don't but know. it is. It's great. And it's just hilarious. You can see it coming, but it's still hilarious. Yeah. And again, you have to wonder, like, Janie. What the hell's wrong with your husband? Like, yeah. you got to take him in for a cat scan. <laughs> well, this this was, like, personally frustrating for me because, um, I don't know if we've mentioned this ever before on the podcast. I don't think so. But uh, Aiden survived a stroke in 2012. Um, a mild stroke, if you can call it yes. a mild stroke. All strokes are serious, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was not to the point where he wasn't able to speak or anything, yeah. but he lost his balance and was not able to walk. And I remember calling the ambulance for him and uh, spending time on the floor with him because he couldn't get up, trying to figure out what, what was going on with him. And, of course, he was 27 at the time, so nobody suspected it was a stroke at all. But my only thought, when something doesn't work, when your husband collapses to the floor and isn't able to get up without falling over... Or you, dress himself. Or dress or himself. Talk. Or Yeah. Like, <laughs> wouldn't your first thought be, there's something, there's something wrong, I'm going to yeah. call our GP? But Janie doesn't do any of that. No. Like... It, it just, because I lived through this, Aiden lived through this, our first thought was, holy shit, woman, like, <laughs> call the doctor. Like, seriously, yeah. you of all people, okay, I can excuse Bill Shaker, I can excuse the security guard, I can excuse Jade, but you're his wife, like, come on. Anyway, Again, side I'm just, I'm just thinking Dougie was not a very... He might not have been. But spitting out coffee, like, yeah. you know, there's got to be a limit. But I like, okay, so this is the last scene we get with Dougie. Yes. And it is the moment he says hi so yeah. I, I'm wondering if the next time we see him, is he going to be back? Is is he going to be more himself? Yeah. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We'll find out on your birthday. Hopefully. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be September 3rd when we find yeah. out. Um, okay. So we go to, after this, we go to Buckhorn, which we haven't been, been to, to for, yeah, since wow. episode uh, two. Part two, yeah. And uh, they've got a hit on the John Doe and Ruth Davenport's bed. So the body was not the same as the head. Yeah. And they have a hit, but it's blocked by a military password. It's it's behind a, a Yeah, it's a, a military file server. of some sort. Yeah. yeah. So immediately, what do you think of? Well, I didn't think of anything. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. But you had the obvious... Immediately, yes. I thought this is Major Briggs' yeah. body. And it does look... It's built like Major yes. Briggs was before he died. Which is a horrifying thought because we love Major Briggs and... I would hate to think that this would be how he ended, how his life was ended. But I also have to think that maybe, I mean, this is not the body of a man who died 25 years ago in a fire. No, So either if it is actually Major Briggs, he didn't die 25 years ago. Yeah. He's been alive all this time. Yeah. And it makes sense because, that would make sense because um, Mr. C mentioned that, or when Mr. C was talking to Philip Jeffries in part two. um, Well, the not Philip Jeffries. Yes, quote unquote Jeffries. He says, you met with Major Briggs. That doesn't sound like something you say about a conversation that happened 25 years ago. So if a modern, if if this happened within the last week or two weeks or something, where Major Briggs was killed and deposited as a body, a half a body yeah. in Ruth Davenport's bed, that could explain it. Yeah. 
so from Buckhorn, we go to... Well, we're still in South Dakota. Yeah, we remain within South Dakota, but we go to the airport. It's General Something Something Airport. Mm-hmm. I don't Just know. Just a regional airport. It's a regional airport. Uh, didn't even check if that was real. That We don't do in-depth... We don't do really great analysis. Well, or... Buckhorn isn't real either, so... Yeah, exactly. Gonna... So it's not too much to worry about. Anyways, the FBI arrives. So Albert, uh, Cole, and uh, Preston arrive, and they head off to the, pris- to the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preston's sitting in the front seat. Um, Cole, of course, is upset that they're nowhere near Mount Rushmore. Uh, Albert came prepared, though, and presented a picture of it. And a, a picture of Mount Rushmore, <laughs> yeah. and Gordon is... Instantly play Kitty is like, there they are, yeah. Albert. Faces of stone. <laughs> Which is just... This is another moment of, of high comedy where yeah. Gordon wants to know what's up with Tammy. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of gestures. And Albert goes carsick. Yeah. And Albert says something about... Yeah. This Cossacks are in Dakota. Russia. This is South Dakota. Cossacks are in Russia. Yeah. And Albert just yells, yes. carsick! <laughs> and the FBI agent driving the car swerves yes. off the road like, do you need me to pull over? And Tammy wakes up kind of and, like, ushers him on, like, no, this is fine. And Gordon's, like, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, did we, Albert? Like, totally oblivious to the chaos that he causes with his his, uh, hearing impairment. Yeah. Um, So we go into the prison, Mm -hmm. and uh, first, my very first note is Preston walks like a model. She does have a a Um, lot of... A very... Very sway. Yes, there's a lot of sway in them hips. Yes. Um. Anyways, uh, they go into uh, they meet the warden. Presumably, uh, they talk a little bit about the background about how they uh found Cooper. Yeah, and how it's whatever he vomited up sent two of the cops to the hospital. Yeah. So it's vile stuff. Yeah, and they're still analyzing. And it's in the lab. They're analyzing. Yeah. Uh, and they get this shot that I found was interesting just because it doesn't feel like a lynch shot but they walk by the camera yeah. it feels like a police pr- procedure yep. like they use that all the time right so i feel like we're kind of he's kind of treading on that a little bit he's like okay this is going into a this is the police more traditional yeah, segment yeah, of the show so exactly. we're going to use law and order shots not shots yeah uh so they go to the evidence room and there uh they display the things that they found in his vehicle which was cocaine a machine gun a dog leg no cheese and crackers? No cheese and crackers. No cheese and crackers. We apologize Sorry. for Albert. Yeah. <laughs> so does Cole. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that bit, by the way. Uh, but then they, they show a picture, the mug shot that they grabbed of, yes. of um, who they think is Agent Cooper. Yes. And Gordon says, holy jumpin' George. And it's interesting, somebody else picked a screenshot of that. I was looking on the screen, but I didn't really pay much attention. The birth date says he was born in 1973, which, Doesn't I mean... Make- any not sense. canonically. That's well, no, about I mean, twenty years yeah, later. Uh, older than how old Cooper would actually be yeah, in because the show. But that would mean he was sixteen or when eighteen in, when he was in Twin Peaks, which yeah. just isn't But feasible. but uh maybe this is the age that Mr. C has been giving. Yeah. But perhaps numbers, dates, these are not this is the first date, honestly, the first actual yes, date that we've gotten we've in looking. the show. Um <laughs> Which is, so yeah. it's probably not an accident. So whatever that means, we'll probably yeah. we'll find Again, out Again, it later. could be a red herring just saying, oh, don't worry about dates and times and stuff. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Uh, so they go to see him to interrogate him. Yes. And they're behind glass. He's in a room. He's shackled. They lift up the, the there's like Metal a partition. Screen, yeah. yeah. And all three agents who are in the room kind of um, react stone-faced, but you can tell that they're shocked. Yeah. Because what we get is not Cooper. It's not Cooper. It's, it's not, not DC. even DC. He's he's acting and talking very differently, isn't he? His voice is pitched 
quite Much a bit lower. lower. He's very slow. And I'm going to say it reminded me a lot, a lot of the audiobook version of Cooper that we get in The Secret History of Twin Peaks, where it didn't sound that chipper, upbeat Agent mm. Cooper that we got. The, the delivery that Kyle McLaughlin, Kyle McLaughlin gave for The Secret History of Twin Peaks reminded me, or this reminded me of that. A little bit. Yeah, this okay. is This is a little bit more extreme, but it yeah. still felt like that was what they were trying to affect. Yeah. So okay. it, made, it made me think, like, this is not... And he repeats himself. He explains that he was working undercover all these long years, after they get rid of the salutations and yeah. whatever. Um, Primarily, he was working with Philip Jeffries. Yes, and Gordon's like, Philip's been, yeah. like, gone for... How do you... Yeah. And then he does repeat himself. He says, On my way to present it to you, I was a little bit behind schedule when my car veered over across the road and I had my accident. So he repeats that exact, the, the last bit of that. Uh, everything. And it's verbatim. the exact tone. Yeah. Everything. It's like it's, a machine. Yes. Or like something out of the Red Room. Yeah. Um, and if, and I mean, it's just it's just interesting. There, there, you can read a lot into this. We will, of course. <laughs> uh, but really, I feel like this is just setting up the stage for what's coming and, mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, he also mentions that he he left messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he mes- left messages so that Philip would know it's safe. And he looks right. at Albert, and yes. Albert kind of. Well, he reacts a little bit too, doesn't yeah. he? Um, looks down, and he's he's either hurt or embarrassed or ashamed or something. Yes. Um, and Cole's... He, he... Sorry. Go ahead. No, Cole says, Can't we, we'll work on getting you home. And the creepiest answer I think he gives the whole time is that I've never really left home, Gordon. Right, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, what is DC saying there? Yeah. Uh, that he's still always in the Red Room, that evil is his home and he's he's been right. in it for this whole time? Is it that... That Cooper's been in the Red Room, so, so part of him, even though he's been out for 25 years, he's... That or was Cooper's body his home? Like, right. And he's saying, I never really left. Right, I've, right. When I came in here, this was me. This yeah. is my home now. Uh, something like that. But or if it's the evil part of Cooper, then it is still part of Cooper. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many possibilities yeah. for that. But um, they leave. And then they, and then but they, then they go out, they go out onto the tarmac and it's shot with the, I, it's, I swear to God, it's the bluest filter that you can find. Oh God, yeah. Probably not the bluest. But well, it feels it's like very, it, yeah, it feels like a nighttime, well, like a fake nighttime. Like shot in those, like in the old silent films where they used to have to film during day, yeah. daylight and they would put the blue filter over top to make it look yeah. like night. That's yeah. what it felt like. But very clearly it's middle of the day. Yeah. Well, we know it's 9am, yeah. right? Yeah. And we so saw them not, earlier in the day when it was bright. Yeah. Up, so, so we know that it's not, um, he's not trying to affect nighttime. But we also know that David Lynch doesn't use colors accidentally. So the conversation, he sends Tammy away after discovering she's wearing a wire that he asked her to put on. But he sends her away and she saunters off with her hips swinging wildly. Um, Albert gives an interesting comment where he says, I feel better now after she leaves. And I didn't know whether that meant he feels better because she's gone. gone, Or if he feels better because he got to see her walk away. (laughs) Yeah. Which the, the, that... Okay, that, again, li- yeah. lingering, exploitative, male gaze camera shot makes me think it might be the latter, but I kind of suspect I feel like it's, the it's former more the former, because yeah. I don't feel like, like Albert really trusts Trust her, Tammy. Yeah. 
But anyway, um, Albert and Gordon, well, Gordon turns up his hearing aid to the max again. So they can whisper. So that they can whisper. And they start having a conversation about how none of what they just experienced with Cooper feels right. But they can't really explain what's going on. And, and Albert explains that uh, he gave Philip authorization to give Cooper some information. Years ago. Years ago. Now this, how many years ago? Right. Is is a key point because if it was before eighty seven, which is theoretically when Philip Jeffries went away, then how how would he feel bad that Cooper misused the information? Because what happens is he told him who their man in Columbia was, yeah, uh, and then a few days later that man died. Right. So, so that sounds like something that Mister C, that Doppelcoop would have yes. done. So, so that means that happened after Cooper came back, from which the means room. that Philip Jeffries was around still around but we know from fire walk with me that philip jeffries went missing again after that he disappeared now, or he never came back yeah now it is possible philip jeffries called from okay the, wherever philip the, the jeffries nowhere? disappeared into yeah, yeah. The nowhere okay and he, and he contacted uh uh albert, albert to get that, that information yeah. to cooper yes but um but either way it raises a lot of really interesting questions about philip jeffries and gordon is shocked by this admission of albert's and but but it's years ago and now they're faced with this other problem so they don't really seem to address it too closely um but they well and there's there's a sound that comes in after after albert says this well yeah it's like this high-pitched buzz or yeah like feedback is what it reminds me of and albert says or gordon says albert's name three times and then when he picks he says something about how something's wrong like something doesn't feel right something's wrong and then albert moves his feet on the pavement and it sends like the sound is so loud in gordon's ear and then when albert apologizes or says something he he apologizes loudly yeah Yeah. and albert's or gordon says i've got these things cranked to the max max, like you've got to be quieter and albert apologizes again but it just made me feel like the only other time we've heard somebody say a name three times is, well, Major Briggs brings in the printout, the computer printout from his listening post that has Cooper's name on it three times. The evolution of the arm in part two says Bob's name three times. Now we've got Gordon saying Albert's name three times. I just think we have to pay attention to the number three coming up here. I don't know what it means, okay. but it seems to me, and then with Albert all of a sudden having hearing problems, with things that Albert is doing. Well, and Albert, uh, Cole, sorry, he sounds a little, I don't know if it was just me, uh, or if it was the buzzing sound continuing or something like that, but when he started talking after the buzzing came up, he sounded a little digitized. Um, like mm. there was like an echo or a, an effect on his voice. Right. I don't know what the hell that was about. Yeah. Um, but anyways, after that all happens, uh, Cole says to Albert, I hate to admit this, but I don't understand the situation at all. And um, he asks Albert, do you understand the situation? And Albert says, blue, blue rose. rose. Yeah. Which makes me think, and doesn't get any bluer, get any is blue Lynch's race. line, yeah. which makes me think, yeah, neither does your filter. So this this has to be a, a link. I think that yeah. the blue rose and the blue filter are, are related. Um, and then they end on this amazing yeah, cliffhanger. Yes, oh, which so we can debate forever until the answer comes. Yeah. But <laughs> we need one certain person to take a look at Cooper. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Do you know where she lives? Gordon asks Albert, and Albert says, I, I know, know where, where she, she drinks. drinks. And then we cut to the roadhouse, and yeah. we end with Au Revoir, Simone, and their song that plays us out over the credits. 
So who's that first, person? First thought: Who was that person that you? Uh, I thought immediately Audrey. That's what I thought immediately too. Uh, but after five seconds, I was like, no, no, it's probably Diane. And I, I also thought possibly Sarah. Yes, um, but you had a good point because we know that she drinks. Yeah, we know that she drinks, and we know that she's one of the people who can see Bob. Yeah. So if they're thinking that way, but I also think that you know where she lives. Everybody would know. Everybody, where Sarah yeah, yeah. Sarah so, hasn't moved as we've seen. Yeah. Already, so. So I doubt that it's Sarah. It might still be Sarah. Some people online have suggested it might be Annie, but I highly, highly doubt it. I really think that. Okay, so we can get into it now if you want to talk about sure. uh, Dougie Which, a bit because. Yeah. Um, what what happened to Dougie? What was yeah. Dougie? So Dougie was I he take was I take Mike yeah I take Mike at his words. He was manufactured by Bob or or Doppelcoop or, or somebody in order to take uh, Good Cooper's place as opposed to the real Coopers. Bob, right. right. So what I think was supposed to happen was Good Cooper was supposed to come out of the lodge into Dougie's body, and this was the plan that DC, the DC had set all up, along. Yeah. So Cooper would go into Dougie's body, and then the hit would be carried out, and that Cooper would die. Yeah. And bad Cooper would, would never to have stay. to go back to yeah. the lodge. Yeah. And, and obviously that plan was disrupted. Yes. Which leads to the, I think, personally, my theory, that the reason you've got good Cooper and bad Cooper, you've got Dougie and Mr. C, and they both, by the end, once they both are existing in the same world consciously... Mm. Um, they aren't acting normally. No. From what we've... The very brief snippet we've seen yes. of, of DC is... And Dougie as well. It, well, yeah. Is that they're, they're, they're broken in some way. Yes. Um, so and, you had... Uh, you kind of explained it as like there's a finite amount of coopness. Yeah, there's a finite... Yeah, like Cooper space. Yes. That exists in the world at any given time. And there's two of them right now. So they're, they're literally sharing that limited amount of space. So they're both half a person, basically, yeah. is... Is what I'm thinking. And I think it's... So, I mean, they even move slowly together. Like, they both give the, the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's weak and weird. Um, I feel like just DC is was expecting this. So he's a little mm-hmm. bit better at managing it, maybe. He can still talk. He's not talking very quickly. Right. Um, and he, he can kind of form coherent thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not... Like, the fact that he repeats himself. I don't think he knows that he repeated himself. I think he just... He had this thing in his head and he got yeah. stuck in a loop because yeah. he can't think fast enough. Yeah. Like uh, the groove on a record player. Yeah, exactly. Play it just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like Cooper's kind of in the very similar situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of the thing. And when Mike said one of you has to die, that would provide the, the Coop space in the, the universe that, that the other one can then fill. Yeah. Um, so now that the battle is going to be which Cooper is going to die. Yes. yes. Bad Cooper, good Coop. Yeah, we know. I know who Coop. I'm cheering for. Well, <laughs> but we also know that right now, Good Coop has someone trying to kill him. Right. Whether it was just DC or if there's another hit yeah. or what this loan or the, the, the debt that he's got with yes. uh, his wife the is mom. worried about. Uh, so is that why the Red Room is leading him to all the right casino uh, jackpots, right? Because they're trying to give him the money to pay off the debt that would kill him? Yeah. Like it really, and why they prevented him from being killed by the bad guy by putting the speed bump there maybe providing yeah, oh, the speed yeah. bump so that he or would drop prompting the key. him to look for the key right. at that particular moment in time so it seems like there's i mean we have no idea what the motives of any of these red room spirits are up until this point it's been an evil nasty place we don't want to go to yeah. but here it almost seems like they're trying to help him 
But is that help morally good or is that help uh, morally neutral on our D&D alignment chart? Uh, It's really really hard to tell. But it seems like they're trying to at least save his life. They don't want him to die. Yeah. So they need, I think what it is is that they, they're trying to orchestrate it so that Bob slash Cooper comes back to the Red Room because ultimately that's his place. He's an interloper. He's not supposed to be out there. Cooper is supposed to be out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, we'll, our, that's, that's our, our kind our of working assumption yeah. for now. Um, seems to make sense. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there, there's other ways of looking at it, though, too, that, um, well, yeah. yeah well, that, there's, there, I mean, Today it's it's Thursday today. Yeah. Um, my phone was blowing up with notifications, hundreds of notifications today from people tagging us and talking with us about theories. Um, so many that I couldn't even get through them all. So I I I'm trying. We're both <laughs> working yeah, we're double both time, trying now, to make yeah. make sure we got through all of them. But thank you for for tagging us in these. But it's uh, it's, a, it's lot. a lot, and there are a lot of thoughts. It's amazing to be part of this right yeah. now because is, this feels like a lot of people are saying this feels like 1990 all over again, yeah. and I'm like, I was five. I don't remember what this feels like <laughs> the first time, but I'm really liking it this time. Yeah. Um, one more thing that I wanted to bring up that uh, was interesting to me in retrospect, but wasn't interesting to me when I first watched it, was um, the fact that Tammy doesn't. She she obviously went over the tapes from the New York mm-hmm. uh, penthouse yeah. glass cube space. Um, but she doesn't see Cooper. No. So we know that Cooper dropped into the box and the cuts around that at the end of part two, mm-hmm. the cuts around that made it seem like it happened when Tracy and Sam yeah. left the room. So presumably, and right before this other gray white creature yeah. that ate their faces yeah. appeared. So she saw a bad creature, but she didn't see Cooper. Yeah. So two questions. Did she actually see Cooper? And she's just not reporting, she's just it. Not reporting it. So is she part of some conspiracy? Because yeah. I kind of get the feeling she's not on the level. There's a few moments where we get well, reaction shots from her where she could be just befuddled, but yeah. she could also be a little bit worried. It's yeah. hard to tell. Or an, an interesting theory that came up on Twitter, um, Twitter user Darcy Farrow um, says maybe there's some kind of parallel universe going on here mm-hmm. where Cooper dropped into a different Box, magic cube else, yeah. in a different universe, in a different space. And I think some of that is kind of, we mentioned it a little bit in our part one and yeah. two coverage where the way that the box kind of shifts back shifts and forth back on and these forth, parallel yeah. planes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, in, yeah, yeah, or it could be that, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it's likely one of those. Or uh, none of those. Or none of those, or that, Cooper just doesn't appear for some other reason. We right. don't we don't know yet. Um, let, let's let's talk about Tammy briefly. Sure. Um, so as we mentioned, she was kind of the hero of the secret yes. history of Twin Peaks. She was there to discover who the archivist was and its major Briggs and all that. Um, Although a lot of people were really upset that she missed a few key things. Yes. That seemed to stand out, which we talked about in our secret history. Yes, and some of them some of them were just historical facts that she said confirmed to and they or she didn't, or pick, she up didn't that, pick up on them and they were wrong and they were wrong um so people have questioned whether or not she actually was a good agent people have also suggested that that's evidence that this was taking place in a parallel universe where those historical events happened exactly as she read she, them she so read them, yeah. she doesn't she glossed over them yeah uh but her uh, portrayal here is interesting we were all very excited to to meet Tammy mm-hmm. Bussin, I well say. I was uh and then when we t- 
did meet her, we were all a little, a little underwhelmed. A little underwhelmed. It's not really, uh, Krista Bell's not playing the part well. I feel like it's she's not that. doing, yeah, she's she's doing, doing fine. a good job. And I like Christabella as a performing artist. I like her music. Yeah. So it's not a dispersion on her. It no. just feels like the character is framed in a weird way. But I feel like Lynch is not only aware of it through the scene with Denise, yes. but uh, I feel like that's perhaps leading them down a path. Like uh, Lynch and Cole are both setting Preston up as one thing, mm-hmm. and then we're going to see a, a different side of her come I out. I hope so. I uh, really hope so. Yeah, because right now she's just she's just hips and yes. and this kind sassy of like voice. sassy voice. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm I I really hope because the character that she was in the Secret History was so engaging and yeah. funny and sarcastic. Yeah, and just like a like worn out agent. Like uh, my yeah. favorite things from her was like, okay, I've had like sixteen cups of coffee today. I yeah. gotta take a break. I'll come at this tomorrow. Yeah, you know, just taking it easy. And you don't really getting that from here. No, she's very. So I yeah I don't know how to how to read that. But clearly he trusts her. He's, or does he? He sends her away. Yeah, like, I don't it's, know. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think her her role is still ambiguous. Yeah. And uh, it's way too early to judge her. Yes. And it and it's yeah. also hard to tell because uh, she. It feels like this is. Um, so let's talk about the timeline a bit. Okay? okay. So, the thing that we talked about last episode was Wally, Brando, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was born. On Marlon Brando's birthday, which is April 9th, April 3rd, 3rd. Uh, and we figured, well, that couldn't have been the baby that uh, Lucy was Lucy pregnant was with, pregnant in, with in March, um, you know, a couple of weeks earlier in the show. Uh, so Unless maybe... she had the world's longest pregnancy and yeah, gave and birth yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, literally 13, like, months later. 13 months later. <laughs> I guess that's possible. No, it's not. It's not, it's not. <laughs> um, so if that's not the case, then uh, was he born later? Uh, that would line up with the 2016 timeline, that yeah. perhaps the events being shown are mostly set in 2016, which is what uh, was kind of hinted at before the show started. Or I think well, someone said... Well, it was because said, that was the date when that Gordon gave the dossier to Tammy was in July, I think, of 2016. Exactly, and that raises this question, because in here, uh, you get the sense that she knows a little bit about Cooper, which right. she would if she'd done the dossier. She, yes. But there are other things that have happened where that lead us to think that it might be before the dossier uh, is found. Right. Uh, Wally's birthday was one of them, potentially. Uh, you know, Cooper's birthday changing. Uh, yeah, so if she doesn't know it, if she had... If this is taking place before the dossier is found, it makes almost no sense now. Because she was learning about Cooper through the process of going through the dossier. Yes. But if she already knows something about Cooper, she's already gone through the dossier. Yes. Or she knew about Cooper before she went through the dossier and the secret history of Twin Peaks lied. Or we have a bunch of parallel universes. Or none of this. It's it's really hard to go through and figure out. So I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. But for the local timeline, even... Can yes. we talk about this for a few seconds? Do you, do you want Which, to Which, what do you mean the local timeline? Well, okay, so DC is now in prison. This was yes. the day after he knew that he was going to be yes. sent back to the Black Lodge. So this this covers, this is something that we kind of talked about on Twitter a little bit and with some of our Facebook friends and couldn't come to any start. Clear, no, about. no. Um, but it feels... The events of part two... Well, part one. Part one and part two... Which Where, encompassed uh, Bill uh, Hastings, Hastings and the murder of Ruth Davenport. And the and murder, murder of Phyllis. 
No. Uh, Phyllis Hastings, who's yeah. Bill's wife. Yeah. Um, and Phil, uh, Bill's secretary's car breaking down. Um, it seemed to us that that Mr. C was talking to Dari about fixing Bill's secretary's car, wiring her car, which you could take that to mean wiring it to explode, as, or, to explode yeah. or wiring it to um, not work or to get communication to get information from like mm-hmm. you're going to wire a phone or you're going to tap yeah. a phone right so if they're talking about bill hastings secretary's car and we already know from the end of part one that bill hastings secretary her car was not working and he had to give her a ride home the night that ruth died no. therefore the we night that ruth was we don't killed know. was we don't thursday know. do we know that i think so it said it had been there a couple days and i think that's what they were suggesting was okay. that if it took place on that night because okay. that was when his alibi didn't match up yes so the alibi he had a 45 or 50 minute gap in his alibi which was created by him having to drive his secretary home so it, and then to have mr c explaining that they needed to do something to Bill's secretary's car suggested to us that that was taking place before yes that Wednesday. night which yes with that was place taking place Wednesday which would mean the day he was due to go back was Thursday which means that's well, when the accident happened and then uh, which means this interview that we're seeing at the end of part four is taking place on Friday which is the day before Bill Hastings gets arrested yes which, which is also the same day that that Phyllis. Bad Cooper that Mr. C kills Bill's wife Phyllis. Yes. But he would be in prison well, on the Saturday. See, this is what we're assuming is that he doesn't get out in the next 24 hours right. and somehow kill her. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is a hint that he is going to get out in the next 24 hours. Or it's a hint that there's a part of him that can astral project. Yeah, well, and as, kill as Bob. Phyllis. I mean, potentially he actually took over. Bill himself in order to kill. Right, because, because Bill mentions is, that he had a dream. Yes. Right. Yeah, and and he he's like the her head has the 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 bullet hole coupe, in the eye. Yeah, tra- trademark bullet hole. So, uh, yeah, potentially that's that's kind of how it's going. But so, and just to give this at a high level, basically there's a potential that the things we're seeing are not presented linearly, which would not be a surprise in not a for, project no. at all. Uh, but the fact that there was already all these clues sticking out mm-hmm. that indicate that this isn't linear and giving you hints at what the true linear plot line is feels very much like a, a Frost production, right? Sure. Like he's he's kind of taking, uh, he's kind of built this frame and then Lynch is taking pieces apart mm-hmm. out of time and, and building uh, separate linear narratives that intersect at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would be really interesting and mm-hmm. potentially very cool if that's actually how it is. Otherwise, there's another Bill, there's another Betty secretary <laughs> who's yeah. who's not only has information on Bill that uh, Cooper needs, but you know also has a car that needs wiring. So, mm-hmm. which is a possibility. Still, there's we're not we're only four hours in. Mm-hmm. There's still lots of ways this could go. But uh, these are early early theories. That yes, we're having. and we just wanted to throw them out there. I will tell you three things. So, to continue with our uh, our new segment, our friend John the Peaky, who we've asked him six questions, three for each episode, three for each part. 
uh, and he has provided us with his answers. Hopefully, at one point, we're going to get him to either phone in yes, or, um, or record us, record an answer. But we've been doing this kind of as we're all processing these four hours. We've all been very busy, and John has been extremely busy. He's writing a very popular column for Twenty Five Years Later site. Um, where he does a weekly roundup of all the podcasts, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of them. Yes. So uh, <laughs> please go check that out and read his work. He yes. is doing he is doing good work. Um, we should all send him some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so first question we asked back in part three: Who is American Girl or American wom- Woman's Mother? No idea, John says. <laughs> Fair enough. But if American Girl means Cooper's mother. She's the one who gave him the gold ring in his dream. That's not something I had thought about. That maybe it's Cooper's mother. I mean, I doubt it because his mother was a benevolent figure in, in his autobiography. She yeah. was, I mean, she was linked in some way, mm-hmm. but she, she wouldn't be a malevolent entity banging on the door trying to get in, right? Well, it depends. And what would it, American Girl have to do with his mother? Well, it depends. Like, if you view this as... Uh, Cooper's mind, the pink right. or the purple world is, is Cooper's mind. and Like a subconscious yeah, thing? Yeah, and, and it's been taken over by evil spirits sure. and who talk backwards. His mother could be trying to pound well, in, and come is, in. It does and link like, with the autobiography that there was a man at the door always trying yeah. to get into her room. Yeah. So here's maybe her at the door trying to get into his mind. Yeah, his but room? in a positive way. Like maybe. she's trying to break down like, Cooper, I'm here to help you. But American Girl seems frightened. Yeah, well, of course, if she's actually a malevolent, malevolent spirit. Mm. Um, I guess. I don't know. It's inter- I mean, that whole, we didn't talk much about it, but what what is the reason why the blind lady didn't want him going out 15? What did the numbers mean? What well, yeah, is the I mean, change? That's, that seems, it seems, again, like they were trying to direct him into Dougie's body, yeah. which is the wrong body, right? Yeah, that's but, the well, fake body. I think it was directing him to our world, which is the right yeah, world. Yeah, I know you said that, but yeah. I don't think that's, I think if he were to go into 15, he would have ended up in the cigarette lighter and he would have gone into, into Cooper, into but bad Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a possibility. Anyway, question number two. Yeah. What is the gold ball? John says, it's that part of Cooper after an alchemical reaction turned into a pure gold soul. Until I hear otherwise, this is a reference to the Jack Parsons section of secret history. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. getting hints of that for yeah. sure. Um, I know that's what you kind of said as well, right? Yeah, that, uh, yeah, this is just, yeah, yeah. And it fits with um, uh, a theory that our Twitter friend Adam had where he said that he brought up an interesting point about early Gnosticism and the idea that a person would be split into three distinct units, that there would be a body, a soul, and a spirit, and that Western tradition, especially post-Judeo-Christian uh, tradition, has kind of made it a binary there's a body and a soul and the spirit has kind of been yeah gotten well, it's rid become of. part of the soul basically yeah, yeah they've been melded yeah. together but that it was a very distinct and separate piece that the body and this the body and the soul were breathed had life breathed into them by the creator and the spirit was something that was wholly separate that was always and eternally there and passed on from person to person but or soul to soul it connected with the soul of a person when it was in the body um but it was not uh created it mm-hmm. just always was existing so if that is the part of cooper that is being represented by the gold ball then that's a part of him that's missing mm-hmm. it's it's linking up with what hawk is looking for there's yeah. something missing there's something missing there's something missing from cooper too yeah. it's this gold ball yeah. and it also made me think because i mean gold 
we heard way back in in what was it october when the festival of disruption was going on in los angeles it was this music festival that david lynch put on and uh there the david lynch foundation put on and one of the taglines that was used at the time was infuse the machine with gold and all i could think about watching dougie's scenes was that he kind of felt like a machine and even i, I think i mentioned it in this podcast that that uh double cooper feels like a machine oh yeah yeah so it's not human, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. In order to get the machine to work again, you have to infuse it with gold. You've mm-hmm. got to put the gold back into the machine. I don't know. It also links up with why maybe Dr. Jacoby is painting the gold. shovels gold. Yeah. There's spades if you look at it. Like spades, the ace of spades uh, is the card, yes. and then here's Jacoby painting spades. Well, from black to gold. From black to yeah. gold. Yeah. It's interesting. That's interesting. Uh so yeah, I mean Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, number three, why why is Dr. Jacoby painting his shovels gold? Well, I also assume Jacoby's gold shovels are related to the same principle and that he's making some kind of shama- shamanic, shamanic yeah. contraption to fight the sickness that's befallen Sheriff Truman and the Log Lady. Aww. I hope so. Yeah. Dr. Jacoby was the world's worst psychiatrist. I yeah. hope that he got into some other line of work. Well, it doesn't sound like it. doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> if you're going to call it work at all. So part four, first question is, Gordon says he had Denise working undercover at the DEA. Why do you think that was? Or is it even important? John says, in the Cooper autobiography, Denise, as Dennis, was working in a mission with Cooper and there was a drug bust gone wrong and a rescue mission involving a hand grenade. I believe Gordon's line about Denise is in the DEA is just referencing oh, this. Ah, right, right. Which right. would make sense because, yeah. But was Denise working for the DEA at that point? Or yes. was she working... Dennis, at that point, yes. she was still known as Dennis. Yes. Dennis was a an FBI agent, or was Dennis... No, Dennis was DEA at that point. Yes, Cooper had crossed over. Yeah. So maybe... Cooper was working undercover. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to reread yeah, the autobiography. Yeah, I, I haven't read the autobiography But yeah, I think John's right. that That's just a reference to that. It could be, yeah. Number two. Hawk seems shocked to hear that Briggs met with Cooper. This suggests to us that this all takes place before the discovery of the dossier. When do you think this story is taking place? Mm-hmm. So we had mentioned this briefly. I think the dossier was found before this, but don't know for sure. It seems like it had to be because of the way Tamara handed the, handled the dossier is why Cold now trusts her. Beyond that, I'll let time reveal its time frame, which is probably smart. But another thing I realized, after I, after I asked John that question and I was talking to you about it, Aiden, I was like, Hawk doesn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily know what's inside the dossier. No. Though. So... That question's kind of dumb. It's a dumb question. Well, it's just I think it's I think it is worth worth asking. Like, when is this set? Sure, absolutely. I think I think uh, John's point about this being why he trusts Tamara is totally reasonable. Yeah, like, yeah. if she'd handled the dossier well, um, she, and she'd be ready to t- deal with Cooper, sure. right? Um, but at the same time, I don't know. There's just something bugging me about it. But anyways, mm-hmm. number six, and you wrote down this one's a doozy. Yes, it is. In the final segment, Gordon, Albert, and Tammy talk to Coop. Coop sounds off. Why? And she, Lindsay wrote, I think I know uh, John's answer, but we'll find out. Also, why is the following scene shot with the bluest filter? Could it get any bluer? And what is up with Gordon repeating Albert's name three times, just like the evolution of the arm saying Bob's name three times? What's up with his hearing aid? Why does Gordon trust Tammy so much? Uh, his About the Cooper sounding off, his voice is definitely pitched down by Lynch. Um, I got assumption that he's worn down like a battery. Oh, that's interesting. After he hemorrhaged all that Garmin Bosium when Dougie was was reassimilated. Yeah. So that that's worthwhile. That's worth checking out. Um, 
Yeah, and and he he answered one of the many questions. Yeah, well, the that first was a, that one. was a volley of questions. Yes, that was a yes. lot of questions. So he just answered the. But we kind of talked about the rest. I mean, yeah, I think, I think there's, we've there's... given our theories at yeah. least for that. But I hadn't thought about the the, the maybe he was just yeah low low on low Garmin on Garmin Bose. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's yeah that's definitely possible. Yeah, that would that would actually almost make more sense. Though. Yeah, but well, it is but, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, like we said, there's there's so much coming. It's really nice to get John's uh, perspective because I think a lot of time Aiden and I sit here in our little echo chamber and uh, we talk amongst ourselves and we talk in circles yes. and we don't really get anywhere. No. So to get a third person... Yes, um, it's just like this. <laughs> John is very succinct too, which is yes. great because we just ramble. Yeah, oh, time. absolutely. That's I mean, how we try and find our answers. But yeah. uh, John's much better at, at giving us a, a firm, firm response. So thank you. So this will be our... Our last two-parter for a while. I think the finale is going to be a two-parter as well. So after yes. this, we're down to one-hour episodes. So hopefully our podcast will be under an hour or an hour yes. long. Around there. Um, so you won't have to listen to us ramble as much as we have been. Although if there's more craziness coming, our theories are coming fast and furious. And we'll do some special episodes of our theories, yeah, I think, probably. just to keep this, keep this streamlined. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. And if you have any feedback or any of your own theories, we'd love to hear from you. Um, sayonara? Sayonara. Garmin Bosia? How do you sign off in the Black Lodge? Oh, it would be backwards. It would be backwards. Garmin Bosia backwards? What's Garmin Bosia backwards? I remember you all about God. That's terrible. <laughs>。Join the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks. All one word. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at Bickering Peaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.